The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers Podcast. Oh, yeah, it is perfect, folks. It's Tuesday night. It's 9 p.m. We're chopping up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. My name is Tony Dunn. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. It's the longest running one. That's right. Including even the team's podcast. We just don't quit talking about the Carolina Panthers because we hang out with you guys every week. You can call into the show. The number is 252-228-5098. Smash the thumbs up button. Subscribe to the show. It's a very American thing to do, to plug and plug ourselves. I'm on Twitter, at cat underscore chronicles. Please tell me in the chat room that all the audio is beautiful. This mug is beautiful, and I know who's beautiful. Cody Lashney, my co-host. Welcome back. Oh, I love it when you try and butter me up, Tony Dunn. Uh, look, man, no one butters me up more than these fantastic Panther fans that we have joining us every Tuesday night. Man, we have so much to talk about. It feels like uh, our head coach and new general manager have taken some shots at uh, a certain quarterback who's still yet to be named. Uh, We have senior bowl stuff to talk about. And like I said, man, we're going to do it with the best Panther fans in all of YouTube. ATX19, Kevin Boschoven, Blake Bettis, Tin Tizzy, Underground West, Joey the Blind Panther, Esquivel, Nirvash, Chase Ebert, Tony Don, and nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. Tonight, we got a good show for you. We got um, a lot to talk about, surprisingly, with the lack of news. It seems like the Carolina Panthers are no longer in the running for Deshaun Watson, if they ever were. But since we've joined you last week, we've gotten some pressers from Scott Fitterer, our new GM. The coaches are at the Senior Bowl And questions are arising about the strategy, the philosophy of how this team is going forward. And we've got uh, Corbin Smith tonight joining us in about 15 minutes, a little under 15 minutes. He's the host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Seahawk at Seahawk Maven on SI.com. And he's going to come and help us unpack the Scott Fitterer hire and what this means for us. We got some good audio from the press conference and, uh, I got to tell you is that there really wasn't very much substance to the press conferences, but the little that there was had to make Cody Lashney happy when it came to talking about the traits of a quarterback. Since we've, since we've kind of circled back from last week, Cody, are you higher or lower on the higher? I am much higher on this higher. Uh, Listen, Hmm. I'm stoned on this higher. You're what? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm fucking, I'm high as can be, bro. Uh, listen, I really like everything that you said. Um, I really made it a point to 
um, you know, just go into it with an open mind and listen to the man and what he had to say. And granted, you can tell he was a little bit nervous. You know, who wouldn't be? That's really your coming out party to the national NFL media. Um, but I thought he was tremendous. And he said a lot of things that I really did like. And it should kind of, um, I feel, inform us about what the Panthers are going to do this offseason. Mm-hmm. He said that, um, and I really like this uh, approach, this mindset, that whenever you're picking inside you know, the top 15 to 16 picks, they expect all those players to be cornerstone players, game-changing, franchise-altering players that you're going to be able to build and formulate your team around. He said after that, when you're picking in the back half to, uh, of the first round, it doesn't really matter too much the kind of talent you're talking about from late first round to early second round. Um, and I like that because that means he understands maximizing value and getting uh, you know the bang for your buck, so to say. Um, it also made me feel more comfortable uh, that the Panthers weren't going to be looking to trade down and, in fact, would have an opportunity uh, to trade up uh, for a quarterback, which is something that he even mentioned also. So um, as someone who was kind of agnostic to the Scott Fitterer hire, everything he has said up to this point um, makes me feel good about his credentials and um, what he's going to bring to the table as our general manager. All right, we've got uh, CK, the master of streams, the master gamer in the house, uh, and the movie voice trailer man. What's up, CK? Yes, uh, you know, just uh, hanging out, man. Just, uh, just interesting. Living the dream. I'm trying to avoid this. I dare say. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to avoid it, but yeah, you bring it up. So I'm living the dream. I'm living the dream. Uh, you know, I obviously we could talk a little bit about what happened this past week and how. One man came to a team that was one of the worst teams, and he's a quarterback. And all of a sudden, they were a Super Bowl caliber team. I oh, mean, wow. it's know, insane, man. We, we can definitely discuss that. We can discuss we the fact discuss that, that. that that you know that's what it took for them to actually make it to the Super Bowl. What? Why? Why do people think that we don't need a quarterback at this point in time to make it there? Is beyond me. So that's uh, something I think we can talk a little more about. All right, we got the Bat Daddy Fifty Two. The nerd of podcasts the man of podcasts uh the man of many podcasts what's up greg not a whole lot man how y'all doing feels like forever since i got to talk to y'all um i know out of the loop for the last the whole week. week off yeah oh, are you rested yeah. i think so man i think i'm okay yeah got my uh, pint glass full of water here that i'm gonna chug the whole show and uh but no, just hearing this news, i was like cody i didn't know anything about this gm hire uh hearing the speech is promising kind of makes me feel like there might be a light at the end of the tunnel i just hope it's not a train (laughs) oh yeah i hope we're on the train yeah all right the number is 252-228-5098 you can be part of the show call in leave a message we'll get you on the broadcast um and uh, don't forget we've got um i guess i would say um well not what would i say we got corbin smith coming that's what i was gonna say we got Corbin Smith coming to help us do this, uh, talk about the Scott Fitterer stuff. But let's go ahead and talk about this. Why did they hire Scott Fitterer? Here is Tepper on making the decision. And you can't hear it. 
uh, the development that Carol's had with some of his players, you know, having to, uh, you know, you know, deal with uh, later round, uh, you know, late, later picks. Um, also, just the way the structure there, yeah, whatever flat structure, something we're trying to do in, in uh, Carolina, a little bit more open. Um, I mean, the apartments on all sides, you know, inside the building. So where he came from and what he's done there was just such a great uh, match and idea for us. Um, and uh, just the personality of the individual also um, really well regarded as an evaluator out there. Um, inside the building in uh, Seattle, sort of the person that was uh, was described as a calming force between uh, Schneider and um, and Carol, who could get emotional sometimes, and the guy that you know calmed them, calmed down the room, so to speak. But um, as I said, more than that, um, just coming from where he came from and dealing with the uh, Carol and the and the coach out there and the type of structure that we you know want to improve on, that was probably the main reasons for the choice. Um, All right, so Tepper references a couple of things. Um, the, the three being one is the, the experience with the transition from a college coach, um, to guy, to a guy that's going into the pros, Pete Carroll. I don't know if it's the, exactly the best analogy because Pete Carroll did have some NFL experience as a head coach way earlier, but you know, here is that he's been with a guy who is accustomed to the college world and is trying to find his way in the pros. And he's been there through that whole experience. Number two, he talked about creating a new structure in Carolina. And uh, the three was analytic. Oh, is that his experience in scouting along with the analytics base kind of concept? My question to you guys is what the hell does what does he mean by the flat structure? And I've, I've been trying to figure this out. And I guess the, the only thing I could come to is that instead of it being a top-down owner GM coach model, that that is more parallel departments that then meet at a lower level together, right? Like this flat, like, uh, and, and do you, is, what do you guys gather from that? Cody, what do you think? What is a flat organizational structure? You know, I, I kind of think it's a more of a collaboration. I mean, listen, right. like it or not, you know, David Tepper is going to be much more involved uh, with this Panther organization than uh, Jerry Richardson was. We've already seen it. Um, he's already kind of put away his day job to have more of a role um, in the Panthers organization. So um, I think having two guys in a coach and GM that he can trust and knows that they have their own aspect of the team covered, that you have a GM that is a good evaluator that knows how to spot talent, and those had to get them on the football team, manage the salary cap, do all the things that we've been wanting Marty Herney to do at a high level forever. But then also have a CEO on the football field in Matt Rule, who is building a culture here in Carolina, who clearly values um, being a, a, a young, progressive, athletic football team, wanting to do a lot of new things on offense and defense, um, so in my mind, David Tepper kind of saw these two um, as his own version of Pete Carroll and John Snyder. And that was kind of who I said earlier in the season, um, we should hope Matt Rule, uh, we should hope that he turns out to be similar to a Mike Tomlin 
or a Pete Carroll, uh, a, a culture builder. And I think that Federer, uh, according to David Tepper, thinks that uh, Federer and Matt Rule are going to work well together. So this flat model is, like you said, unlike, uh, you know, the owner gives marching orders to the general manager and then down to the coach. I really do think they want to have a collaborative experience between the three decision makers here in Carolina, which is those three, David Tepper, Matt Rule, and now Scott Fitterer. And I think they were looking for a guy that fit that trio well. You heard some of those kind of uh, suggestions being made when they were asked about um, this was Scott Fowler. Scott Fowler tries to be so he's like, we all have our opinions of all of Charlotte media in our own way. So Scott Fowler comes in there and did kind of ask, I guess, a semi tough question. It was like, who's going to, how's the decision making going to be made between Rule and Fitterer? And uh, he asked Tepper this. And, or, and he asked Tepper how much he was going to be involved. And he was ultimately said this is that, um, rule, you know, would have a lot of choice on who plays on Sunday, what the 53 is going to be, but that he doesn't have the time to be watching the practice squads of other teams to be, you know, looking at what guy got cut or what opportunity is going to be there on the side. He's busy coaching the team. And that's going to be the GM's going to have more say-so on the roster outside of the football team in a way, if that makes sense. So, guys, this flat organizational structure doesn't seem – is this revolutionary, A? I don't know if it's revolutionary. But it does seem to be more corporate. It's like a corporate-based model of how football is going to work rather than the old-school football-based model where the coach is going to have control over. The old ball coach has control over everything. I'm happy that it is that way. I mean, I don't know if either of you two guys want to jump in on this, but I'm happy that it looks like the Panthers are finally starting to become aware of better business practices. There is that part of me that is kind of worried that David Tepper is kind of putting too much emphasis on this analytical bent that is going on, you know, because there isn't an interview that he gives anymore where he doesn't mention analytics as a part of his hiring process. When it right. came to, when it came to Matt rule, um, when it came to now Federer, apparently that was the rift uh, between Marty Herney and Matt rule, was, you know, kind of analytics-based. So um, I, I fear that David Tepper doesn't lend on it too strong. But you're certainly right, though. It does try to, It does look like we're trying to build a modern football organization. And that makes me happy because right now I've seen Matt Rule and Scott Fitterer speak in depth about the quarterback position and how important that is to us going forward. Uh, that says to me they know – specifically how important this offseason is for the Carolina Panthers. Um, we have to nail this draft. We have to nail this round of free agency uh, or else we run a risk of being kind of irrelevant for a while if we don't capitalize. Greg, CK, any quick thoughts on the structure model going forward? And then our guest Corbin Smith with the Locked On Seahawks podcast is going to be joining us any second. Well, he's here, but – as soon as you guys put your thoughts in. CK, go ahead if you want to, bud. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I really have no idea what a flat 
model. Yeah. Like, no, but, but what Cody's saying makes a ton of sense. We all are saying it like, that's, obviously it's what you want is good cohesion between, you know, the three churches, the way government's supposed to work. And when things go well like that, you should have success. I don't want to rely solely on analytics either because analytics do work. But once again, you know, things work if you do them so many times over and over eventually yes they're going to work it doesn't mean they're going to work every single time so yeah it's like playing black uh blackjack by the book you know right. it works, yeah, you're, you're gonna win but you're not gonna win every man. time yeah for it to work yeah. there is gray matter and gray material in gray area all right Wait, uh, one more thing about scott yeah. Fitter before we go forward and it's a very small thing but i noticed it and i liked it Dude, that suit and tie combo that my man was wearing at the press conference with the Panthers pendant, dude, that was a fucking beautiful touch. I I, I liked it. I, I remember noting, dude, my man looks sharp as hell, and I appreciated it. So shout out to uh, probably uh, his wife who dressed him, I would imagine. But Yeah, did uh, you hear the story about when he came in for the interview? No, uh, I I heard about the Zoom meeting that they did, but I didn't. Yeah, when he came in, he said he flew into Charlotte and he had a, a suit that apparently, because you know, as he's a he was a scout, and you know, you don't. He said it was a, a bit too fi- fit, like uh, it was a little too tight. So he once he got into Charlotte, he had to actually go to a tailor and find a suit, and that's like it was uh it was quite interesting because it doesn't seem like he's someone who was uh, wearing a suit very often prior to this. <laughs> yeah, you got to use Cam Newton's guy. All right, let's go ahead and let's get to Corbin Smith. Uh, Corbin at Seahawks Maven, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Thanks for joining the C3 Panthers podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, we brought you on because obviously you have an extensive background with the Seattle Seahawks, a team that we used to hate a lot more, but... Um, you know, I guess since we haven't been very good over the last couple of years in some ways that our hatred for Seahawks has dissipated, those 15 to 12 games stung those three years in a row when the Carolina Panthers battled it back and forth and it seemed like we could never get on the right side of Russell Wilson. But we brought you in here because Scott Fritterer is our new GM. Who is he? And tell us why we should be happy. So I haven't actually spoken to him in person, but I know a lot of people within the organization that have. And the first thing I could tell you is he supposedly has an incredible sense of humor. And a couple of people that I've talked to that have worked with him when he's been scouting at like the Senior Bowl and different events like that said one of the best parts about being at those events would being able to see what he and Kirchner and some of the other guys were joking about while they were watching players on the field and stuff. So he's supposed to have a really funny personality. Um, I also can tell you that you are getting a guy that was instrumental in Seattle becoming a perennial playoff team. Obviously, John Schneider gets a lot of the credit. They've got some other scouts that have obviously been involved. Ed Dobbs, the guy that was a big part of it. Now he's in Indianapolis. He was getting looked at for some GM jobs. Kirchner's been looked at. So they have some other key cogs, but Kirchner played a huge role. We look back at those drafts and, 2010, 2011, 2012, that really built this team to be a consistent winner. He was heavily involved in that process. And actually, he was heavily involved in their process getting to their first Super Bowl in 2005, which not to 
you know, put salt in the wound. But after they beat the Panthers in that championship game, that first Super Bowl team for Seattle, he was involved in scouting some of the players that they drafted in the three or four years prior to that. He was with the organization for 19 years. So he left an incredible imprint. It's a massive loss for Seattle's front office. Wow. Tell us how all right, how involved was he? So you said he's he's played this big role. I think and when I ask that question, I think of this as I've heard people say, look, he's instrumental in the Richard Sherman pick. He's he was instrumental in Russell Wilton. We've even heard murmurs that he said that they intentionally didn't interview Russell Wilson at, in that year to not let on that they were interested in him, right? So tell us a little bit, how does a guy, personnel director, former scout, how does a guy make his bones in the Seattle organization? Well, I think the first thing is loyalty. And obviously he has shown that by being with the organization since all the way back in 2001. But I mean, I think John Schneider and the GMs they had before John Schneider arrived, you just look at the Seahawks organization. And really this goes back to Paul Allen. You know, when he took over as the owner of the Seahawks and really saved them from relocating, you know, he is always he was always kind of a hands off owner. But he in 2009, he realized Jim Mora and the system they had in place there after just one season, he realized this is not working. But the scouting staff had several guys there that they had maintained from earlier in the decade. And he was one of those guys who had his hands heavily on scouting all those players on the ground. Clearly he has an incredible eye for talent when you look at some of the players they brought in. And that's why he was able to elevate quickly. Once he got into a position where he was VP of player personnel and stuff like that, he was able to move up the, up the ladder pretty quickly over the last five, six years because he had done such a nice job of being on the ground and, and being able to scout those guys. I mentioned being at the senior bowl, he put in the legwork to get to where he's at right now. So again, I don't know how this is going to work out for him in Carolina. Cause he's never been a general manager, but I think he is the perfect pairing with Matt rule, a guy that I was a huge fan of Carolina picking him up last year. I love what he did at Baylor and temple before that. And I love the draft picks the Panthers had last year. And so if Scott Fitter is able to nail a lot of their picks this year, and they're able to take advantage of some of the free agent options out there. Maybe the quarterback position, Deshaun Watson, anyone. Uh, it certainly sets them up to be a team that could move up in the NFC South very quickly. I think he's the perfect guy for this job. And honestly, I was surprised he wasn't hired by somebody the last couple of years. So that actually kind of leads into a question that I had for you. Um, how long have you guys known really, or, or, how long have you felt that it was imminent that Scott Fitterer would be leaving the Seahawks organization? Because, you know, I know, you know, for, there's a bunch of different names of people that are in the front office that, you know, play into, you know, who you're going to draft, who you're going to sign in free agency. Uh, you know, a, a lot of decision makers are involved in that. Um, specifically when it came to, say, Russell Wilson, did you know how much involvement – he had in bringing Russell to Seattle because the Panthers had a very weird situation where, man, we have, we need a franchise quarterback and he's coming in quite literally at the moment where we're now trying to get one. So, um, you know, how much does he have an eye for the quarterback position? And can you hone in on maybe um, specific players that, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, 
that he had a hand in bringing them to Seattle. So I can't, uh, unfortunately, guys, I can't tell you how much he had his hand in on Russell Wilson because there have been so many smoke screens over the years with Russell sure. Wilson. Like, oh, we had no interest in him. Or, oh, he was the guy we wanted all along. You know how it goes with quarterback positions, especially somebody right. like Russell Wilson that had so many red flags going into the draft, specifically the height aspect. Um, but I can tell you a couple of players that he was heavily involved with. 2010, Cam Chancellor fifth round pick. We all know how good Bam Bam was in that secondary before his career ending injury. And another player that I think he was heavily involved with based on what I've been told, Malcolm Smith, who ended up being the Super Bowl MVP for the Seahawks in 2013. He was a seventh rounder that the Seahawks got out of USC. And so those are two names that I know he was heavily involved with. And, and honestly, those 2010 and 2011 classes, even more so than 2012, he had a very large imprint on because he was so heavily involved with scouting these players with his own eyes and being at the facilities and being involved with the senior bowl and all that stuff. And so uh, Cam Chancellor and Malcolm Smith are the two guys that really stand out to me. And you mentioned that first part of the question, how long have the Seahawks known? If you would ask John Schneider about this right now, he would tell you four or five years ago, they were preparing a contingency plan for him to be gone. I mean, he's been on the radar as a GM candidate for the last two or three years, if not longer. He has certainly been a rising star for one of those vacancies, and he was coming up short. And this year he was much more selective about it. There were some other teams that I've been told had interest in interviewing him, but ultimately he liked the Carolina Panthers situation. As I mentioned, I can see why. He wants to work with Matt Rule, and he loves the young talent. I mean, I, I'm big on a couple of the draft picks they made. Jeremy Chin, when I was a high school coach in Indianapolis, I coached against him. And so I'm not surprised at all that he went out and had such a good rookie season. He looks at that young talent, the draft picks they've got available, the fact that he can maybe pick his own quarterback right now. Some GM candidates might be scared about that. I think Scott Fitter is probably excited to have that opportunity in his first GM role. Well, let's uh, screw Scott Fitterer. Tell us about this Jeremy Chin in high school. <laughs> so I, I coached, a, I was a running back coach, actually, uh, Franklin Central High School in Indianapolis. And so I had the opportunity. And what's funny is like we all knew how good of a player he was. But if you would have told me then that Jeremy Chin is going to be a day two selection in the NFL, I would have kind of scoffed at you because I'll throw just a few other names out there I coached against. David Bell at Purdue right now that played at Warren Central. I think he had 200-something receiving yards against our team, the game that we played against him. He's going to be an absolute stud in the NFL when he comes out. Uh, there's been a couple of running backs that were in the Indianapolis area that have moved quickly into D1 roles. And so we played against a lot of really good players. Indianapolis is an underrated ground for finding high school talent. And so Chin was obviously a fantastic athlete, but he was kind of one of those guys that kind of went under the radar a little bit. And I know that he wanted to go to Indiana or one of the bigger schools in state. The opportunity wasn't there. So Southern Illinois came calling and the rest is history, but certainly he was a guy that was a ball hawk on the field and, and he was really impressive. I just don't know that I ever would have thought. Did he, he play defense in high school? I believe so. Yeah, I think he played both sides of the football, if I remember okay. correctly. Um, so that was the first year that I coached high school football, actually. And then I'm just thinking about some of the other star players. Like I said, David yeah, Bell yeah. was the best guy I've coached against. And so uh, there were a few offensive linemen that got D1 looks as well. But he is the guy that I always will kind of have nightmares for my coaching career going up against just because we put 
coverage on him and he'd sky up one-handed catch. And at that point, you just want to put your clipboard down and say, all right, get on the bus, boys. So uh, Chin, Chin right. was an exciting player, though. There's no question about it. That's awesome. The Carolina Panthers are slated to pick eight. We will argue all day long about how we should be picking third, but we're not going to do that at this moment because we are picking eight. Here is Scott Fitter discussing the kind of history of trading back and what you do in this case. Uh, and we'll hey, get your Scott. Thoughts. Uh, welcome to Charlotte. Um, I wanted to ask you about your drafting philosophy in Seattle. Obviously, uh, there was a lot of trading down in the first round. Was that a franchise philosophy? Is that something you plan to bring to uh, Carolina? And then I know that you you indicated that you like to watch a lot of concerts on YouTube. Is that all Pearl Jam concerts, or do you like to do a, a mix of different bands? First of the concerts, we'll listen to just about everything, country, uh, Pearl Jam, whatever it is. It's, as long as it's a good concert, we'll watch it. Uh, as far as uh, – uh, the draft. Hold on. I want to pause it right there and just say this is that he watches uh, concerts on YouTube like he watches players on the scouting trail. He's like, if they play football, we'll watch it. If it's a concert, I'll watch it. All right. Here he is on the draft. Strip. In Seattle, we've historically picked, you know, mid 20s, late 20s over the last 10 years. And if, when you look at the draft, when you build the board, there's a there's a certain level of player that stops about 16, 17 or 18. So once we're picking at 25, we know we're not going to get those, what we consider players that are going to come in be impact players. We don't see a big difference between 25 and 40 at that point. But we can move back, acquire picks, and still get the same caliber of player that fits our team. This year it's going to be a little bit different. You know, I'm picking, we're picking at eight this year. And so we're in that mix of players. So that gives us the opportunity. We can move up, we can move back. It gives us a lot of flexibility in the draft and, uh, It'll be a it'll be a new adventure and one that I'm looking forward to. But that's uh, really if if you're not in that top part of the draft, we're going to try to a little Freudian slip when he said this. It's gonna be a little bit different, you know. I'm picking. We're picking. I'm picking. I mean, we're picking at eight. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about how I and we picked in Seattle and their kind of draft history and moving back and how what you think that Scott Fitterer may have learned that he can bring to Carolina that he kind of alluded to in those comments? Well, as he pointed out, the Seahawks have consistently drafted at the end of the first round. And I think when you look at most drafts, you have your top 10, top 15 players that are head and shoulders above everybody else. And then you start to see things level out a little bit. And so John Schneider has always been a GM that's viewed uh, quantity over quality if in the draft. Yeah, obviously, he wants to get as many good players to get his hands on. And so that has been his philosophy. And they've had a lot of success doing that. Now, you could look at their first picks and say, I'm not sure why you picked that particular player when they could have got the guy a round or two later. They've had a few first rounders that have been head scratchers, but they've always been able to recoup extra picks. And that's where they find those players like Richard Sherman and Cam Chancellor and stuff. So I do think he's going to carry over some of those principles because he knows the type of talent that Seattle was able to get just by having those extra chances. I always look at the draft as a big dart board. He wants to get as many opportunities to throw darts as he can so that he can hopefully nail on a few of those late round prospects. And so I think you'll carry that over. The difference here though, you look at the few times Seattle had early draft picks They had two first-rounders in 2010. They got Russell Okung, and they got Earl Thomas. They weren't trading back to the end of the first round in that draft because they had a chance to get premier talents, top-of-the-line talent. And so 
I wouldn't expect Scott Fitterer is going to come in and just suddenly start trading down a bunch with that top 10 pick. Could he do some moving to recoup some picks if there's a couple players they want? Sure, but I would anticipate because of the draft position, it's going to be a lot different strategy than you've typically seen John Schneider employ just because of the draft positioning. So let me kind of go on that a little bit and, and, and run with that. So, you know, having Russell Wilson and knowing you have a franchise quarterback, I imagine it just makes the job so much easier because you know you're set at the most important position. Well, Scott Federer is walking into, yes, a top 10 pick, but we also need a quarterback at a time when not only do a bunch of teams ahead of us in the draft also need that quarterback, but you have now all these rumors Um, Like you alluded to earlier, Deshaun Watson is trying to force his way out of Houston, which is insane. Um, Matthew Stafford, I just saw on Twitter just now, has uh, already put up his Michigan home. So, you know, Panther fans are really wondering what we're going to do at this position. My question to you is, knowing that we have the eighth pick, knowing that we would have to probably trade something to be able to move up or go get another established player, how aggressive do you think Scott is reasonably going to be in his first year as a general manager when you don't have one of the most important positions? So that's really the ticking time bomb, isn't it? When you're looking at the Seahawks, I mean, before they landed Russell Wilson, everybody remembers they gave that big contract to Matt Flynn, and we all know how that ended up playing out. And so he's my most- idol, bro. <laughs> you're talking about my idol. I think it's – is it Andrew Brandt that says uh, you're an expert in the business of football? You could say that Matt Flynn certainly was that with the money that he ended up making off the teams <laughs> that he played for. But um, going back to the question here, most of the time that Scott Fitter was in Seattle, they had a franchise quarterback. When he first came on as a scout in 2001, that's when Matt Hasselbeck was first starting to really turn the corner in his development, and he was there all the way through 2010. Seneca Wallace was not a bad backup that they ended up drafting as well and Fitterer was on the staff there too. And then, of course, Russell Wilson. But they haven't had a lot of opportunities in Seattle where they've needed to draft somebody because Matt Hasselbeck worked out, got him to a Super Bowl. Obviously, Russell Wilson worked out. They just had a couple lean years in between those two quarterbacks. And so I don't really have anything to base off of what to expect from Fitterer in this instance because he hasn't been a, you know in a situation like this aside from maybe 2012, and the Seahawks still were not in a position to go up and, and get an Andrew Luck or a, a Robert Griffin III, one of those top quarterbacks. They ended up getting Russell Wilson, which worked out incredibly well for them. But as far as aggressiveness goes, even though John Schneider most of the time is traded down, if Scott Fitter is anything like Schneider in this situation, you can guarantee he's going to be picking up the phone. If there's a quarterback that falls a couple picks in front of them, He's not going to be afraid to pick up the phone and try to do some maneuvering to move up in this instance, too, because of how important that quarterback position is. And I will tell you this right now. This is just my personal opinion. Knowing what I know about Fitter or the people that I've talked to about him in the past, I won't be surprised if he's already put in a call to the Houston Texans. They might have hung up the phone because they can't handle reality. Their quarterback wants to leave, but I guarantee that he's called about him. And I'm sure he's looked in a couple of the other quarterbacks that are potentially going to be available on the market here. Uh, I don't expect somebody like Aaron Rodgers to really be available, but certainly Matt Stafford could be a, a guy that they look at at worst as a bridge quarterback that they could bring in. Uh, maybe a guy that could still have five or six good seasons left in him. 
you got some weapons at his disposal in Carolina. So I anticipate he's going to keep all those options open. This is just going to be new ground for him because the Seahawks had a franchise QB most of the time that he was with them. Yeah. There are two fundamental kind of pillars that David Tepper, our owner, seemingly has based his decision on our GM on. And that is one is the, well, maybe three, but one is the the use of analytics. And we have heard, see, like as analytics has not like crept into the NFL talk, it's been around for a while, right? I mean, or like, I mean, analytics, it's like, oh, statistics, holy crap. It's been around since we invented math. But so, I mean, as we continue, it becomes a bigger buzz and kind of incorporated into the football world more and more. Seattle has been a team that a lot of people have referenced, particularly uh, Carolina Panther fans have referenced over the deck, the past decades, like leading the charge in this kind of new age look at football decisions. What is, do you know anything about, I mean, obviously, but like what is Seattle's analytical edge and how does Scott Federer maybe pivot that to Carolina? So this is going to be an interesting response to this question, but as a Seahawks beat writer, I can tell you what the fans think about Seattle's analytics approach. They think they're extremely behind the times. Oh, the wow. And, and here's why I'm going to say that. This is generally the argument that gets thrown. This year they did let Russ cook, and the first half, man, he was just cooking like crazy. The second half, his restaurant got shut down just like every other restaurant in COVID times. I mean, defense, <laughs> were just shutting them down, but – uh, prior to that point, this was a very old-school offensive attack, and it sounds like Pete Carroll wants to lean more towards that in 2021, getting back to running the ball a little bit more. They've always been a team that likes to do that. They've been more conservative on fourth downs than a lot of other teams are out there. And so at least from the football field standpoint, there's been a lot of people bickering, why can't we get with the times? There's not enough emphasis on analytics. The front office, on the other hand, I think that you could make an argument that they're a bit more adept at looking at stuff like that. Uh, but at the same time, I don't know that I would call them front runners either. They they always have done things just differently than everybody else. And that's why they look at players like, say, LJ Collier, who they picked in the first round a couple years ago. A lot of people had him as a second, early third-round pick. They picked him in the first. There was just something about him with – his story, his grit, and things like that they were looking at. They just are programmed differently. I don't know how much of that actually falls in line with analytics uh, or them just beating to the drum the way they want to. But I think that a lot of Seahawks fans would tell you that this organization isn't necessarily leading the charge with analytics like maybe some outside organizations might think. Yeah, I think uh, Tepper wants it, when I think of it even more so, how they're trying to integrate is more into the front office personnel side than even just every down we think of what statistically works in that case. Um, the the one thing is Tepper's a former hedge fund manager, and I kind of think that he wants a chart guy. If you guys know anything about or a little bit about stock trading, there are guys that – there are people that assess – fundamentals of businesses like how sound is this business what's the outlook of the business what's their balance sheet that's kind of a fundamentals guy then there is the chart guy which is like hey oh they hit their 52 week high they got the second dip that's what i see him wanting from the analytics the other pillar that david tepper seemingly based his discussion on was um, a guy that can negotiate manage the salary cap what's seattle's kind of situation with that over the past 
you know, a little while. And uh, what are your thoughts on their your your salary cap? And maybe we can glean something that for the Carolina Panthers. So unlike the last question where I kind of rebuffed the idea that analytics is an area that the Seahawks really excel, I think managing the cap has been an area that they've absolutely been stellar at throughout the John Schneider era. And a lot of that falls – John Schneider always mentions the name Matt Thomas. He's the one that is really in charge of uh, organizing all the numbers and crunching everything. But they have typically done a really good job, especially in their – Legion of Boom years where they had all those players they had to pay. They were doing a really good job of paying a lot of those defensive players and finding ways to work all those defensive contracts. And then you have Russell Wilson. Once he's no longer on his rookie deal, that changed the game completely. But they were able to seamlessly go into that era where they're paying a quarterback top flight money. And so I don't know how much Fitterer was involved in that process, but he's certainly been around and he has seen an organization that has consistently known how to operate the salary cap well. And so I would anticipate that that will be a strength for him in this position. Shout out to Mossy Man 789 Moss. Thanks for the super chat. Love your show and favor to all of you. You guys uh, hit Scott up with the last questions and we'll let him go enjoy his new home. CK, you want to go? Um, yeah, I have a, I have a really a basic question and this is almost uh you know, something to take us back to high school, but in five years, the Panthers are, because of Scott Fitter and knowing what you know about our team up to this point, the, the weapons we do have, uh, Matt Rule, Joe Brady, in five years, the Panthers will be good, great, or average, or just really bad. I think it'll be one of the best teams in the NFC. I'm not afraid to say that. Here's why, here's why I say that. I mentioned all the young talent that Carolina has brought in last year's draft. Again, I was a huge fan of them getting Brown, Chin, some of the other players. Um, Gross Matos, I still think, is going to be a really good player. He was kind of raw coming into the league, but I think he's a kid once the light switch comes on. He was one of my defensive end prospects that I thought the Seahawks should take a close look at with their first-round pick. And so I think he's got a lot of upside. He's got an incredible backstory, too coming into the NFL. So I look at the young players that they've got. The biggest question mark is, can you get the quarterback position filled? Whether that means you go out and you bring in somebody like Deshaun Watson or you draft somebody. I really like BYU's quarterback. Maybe he's a guy that's available close to pick eight and they're able to maneuver and go up and get it. And Zach Wilson's a player that I think is going to have a long, successful career in this league. But I look at Carolina's youth. I look at the draft picks they've got, they've got a lot of pieces on the roster there. And I look at the rest of the division around them. Tampa Bay is going to be good. You know, Tom Brady, we don't know how much longer he's going to play, but eventually they're going to have to figure out the quarterback position again. Atlanta has been a burning dumpster fire for how many years? They might have to make a change at quarterback. And New Orleans, their cap situation, Drew Brees is going to retire and they're still going to be a billion dollars over the cap. And so I just look at the state of that division this is a division that's right for the Panthers. If they just make the right decisions and they're able to get a few key players in free agency too. I like Matt rule a lot. I think he's a program builder. I think Scott Fitterer, as I've said a couple of times, has a great chance to be really darn good as a general manager. And so there's a lot of reasons for optimism. I think five years from now, Carolina could be one of the best teams in the NFC. I truly believe that. Like Man, whatever you're smoking on, I want some of it, bro. <laughs> Let me have it. I'll go ahead and get out with my question. Let Greg and Tony finish up with them. Um, what's to do with Seattle, man? 
why aren't uh, you know? I felt like uh, this year and every year really they start out on fire and they look like world beaters. And Russell Wilson always leads the discussion for MVP and he's always the name. You know, is this will it be the year that Russell wins MVP? And then for some reason they just hit this cliff. I find it very similar to the Steelers this year a little bit. Maybe not as bad, but what 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 does the future hold for uh, the Seahawks? Which is weird real quick. That's the opposite of what they used to be. Like, they yeah. used to be second half of the season, they were destroying everyone. They won and, six of their last seven regular season games. They finished Yeah, strong. they were 12-4, and four, man. You yeah, wouldn't even believe still- it. When you ask about a person from the, the East Coast, the right coast, about Seattle, and you say, oh, they had an up-and-down year. They're 12-4. and four. <laughs> Yeah. I, so, <laughs> you know, I, I look at this team, and I'm still scratching my head a little bit just trying to figure out what happened on offense. And, and I'm a big film guy, and so uh, analytics are something I'm trying to get caught up with, but I'd much rather just watch the tape and, and try to see what I can glean from it with my coaching background. But I, I think that this was truly – I think Brian Schottenheimer was made a scapegoat, and – I don't think he was the biggest problem for their offense in the second half. Because when I was watching film, it's just like, what is going on with Russell Wilson? He's got a tight end running wide open on a corner out, and he ends up just doing a pump fake and then eating the football. Like he just suddenly was gun shy. He didn't want to throw the ball. And you saw it some in their playoff game against the Rams, too. You had receivers open. There were a couple of plays where the guy was open, he threw it to him, and he was way, I mean, just way off. And so. I was writing articles about at the end of the season. Russell Wilson's got to be held accountable for a lot of the struggles here. Pete Carroll needs to be held accountable because he made it clear that he wanted them to have a more conservative approach because Wilson had a couple games he threw four interceptions in those two games. And that really seemed to be the turning point. And I think they overcompensated. It impacted Russell Wilson's performance. And then they were getting two deep safety looks and they were acting like it was something that was just created yesterday. And they couldn't figure it out. And so I'm just sitting to the side like, like, cover two. You can beat cover two. Why aren't you figuring out how to do it? And again, going back looking at the film, it looked like there were plays there that were drawn up to beat cover two, and they just weren't executing. So for Seahawks fans, it's extremely frustrating. They're tired of the one-and-dones or going two-and-done because they have a franchise quarterback that when he's at his best is a top three signal call in this league. And yet they haven't been back to the NFC championship game now in six plus seasons. And he's going to be 33 next year. The window is going to start closing. And so I think next year they have a chance to still be a team that can get back to the Super Bowl. But I also think next year could be a season if things don't go quite as planned with their cap situation and some of the all in moves they've made, like trading for Jamal Adams, that suddenly you could be in a situation where you have to reset the roster a little bit going into 2022. So this is a huge offseason for John Schneider, Pete Carroll and company, figuring out who's going to be the offensive coordinator, all their moving parts on their roster and not having much cap space or draft capital to work with. And so they have a chance to be a contender. They also have a chance to slip back in a division that is going to still be incredible next year. The 49ers will be healthier. They might have a different quarterback. The Rams are still going to be really good. And of course, the Cardinals, they could be a team that go out and win 10 plus games next year with the talent they've got. So yeah, it's a different situation than the NFC South where it feels like some of those teams could be fading in the near future. NFC West is just like a gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had one, well, I had a few questions for you. We've pretty much answered them for the most part. Uh, One, you know, okay. 
we have I don't know anything about Federer coming in. Uh, from what I've heard from you, from what I've heard from the speech, his his press conference, and everything. I'm confident in him being a good GM, but I've seen this movie movie before. So I'm the wet blanket, and I'll ask: Are there any negatives about him that stand out to you, other than being inexperienced at that position? Which well, I well, that guess. that honestly would be the biggest thing for me is the lack of experience, and yeah. I have to wonder how he's going to handle free agency and different stuff like that. That I don't, I don't know how much he was involved in that process. Now, obviously, yeah. teams have uh, different scouts that are involved with watching other teams so they can start preparing for free agency. But I don't know how heavily involved he was in that process. I know that you're getting a really good draft guy that really knows how to scout players. He understands where to find value. My big question is going to be, is he going to be able to make the couple splashes? And they don't need to go out and get a huge name, but you know, quality free agent signings that are at a decent rate that aren't going to bust your salary cap. Is he going to be able to do that? I don't know because I don't know how heavily he was involved in that. And the Seahawks for a long time have not been big players in free agency. Early in Schneider's tenure, they were because they had gaps to fill. But generally, they've looked at second and third tier players. I'm curious to see how Fitter handles that. That, to me, is the biggest question mark when you're looking at a personnel standpoint. Okay. Who you got in the Super Bowl? You know, I, for the first time in like seven years, I didn't get either one of the championship games right. So <laughs> who knows if I have any chance of getting – I really thought the Bills could give the Chiefs a battle and yeah. unfortunately it just didn't happen. But uh, And I thought Green Bay was going to hold on. But who should doubt Tom Brady at this point? To me, the Buccaneers – it's weird saying this because the Chiefs look unbeatable. But it just seems like the Buccaneers are a team of destiny right now. They just won three straight road games to get to the Super Bowl. And Tom Brady, there's just something about the dude. I mean, I didn't think there was anything he could add to his legacy, but this is how they got a home game. Exactly. The first, is this the first ever? Yeah. Yeah, It's never happened before. So, you know, to me, I just, I look at, I look at Tampa Bay and the players they have on defense. And I also look at the offensive line. Eric Fisher's not going to be in this game, Achilles injury. They were already without Mitchell Schwartz, both tackled. And you're going against Shaquille Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, and some mm-hmm. of the nasty pass rushers that the Buccaneers have. And as I crazy think, as it sounds, I think Tampa Bay wins this game. Don't worry, Mike Remmers to the rescue. That's right. My my only thing is I think Tampa Bay is a, a really, really good team. I just – I don't – like people giving Brady all the credit for winning that game because he did not play a great yeah. game. When you throw three I interceptions three picks, and right seven in yards in the second half, you shouldn't win that game. I mean, I, it, I it, it happens. It happens sometimes. But Tom Brady didn't win that game for them. Green Bay lost it, and the defense did really played really really well. Yeah, are you as uh, they needed to? So yeah, I, I agree. Uh, all the credit, but yeah. are you a senior bowl guy, Corbin? Uh, so I'm paying attention to it. Unfortunately, with COVID, I was going to go this year, but I decided against it. But I have been I have been paying attention to some of the prospects. I've been watching a lot of film, and so uh, being a being a year round NFL writer, I definitely pay close attention to the draft. Anything that we should be looking forward to in a Senior Bowl? Obviously, the Panthers staff is involved in it, and anything you're going to be looking for specifically. So the couple position groups that really stand out to me, the offensive line, there are some big dudes out there this year. I mean, we're talking a lot of 
340, 350 pound interior offensive linemen. They're just that homeboy weighed in at two, 365. The there are some big, big boys around that have been to the dinner table a time or two in this draft class. And so that, that I think there's like a lot of good tackles, a lot of good, there's a lot of good interior offensive linemen. This is the second year in a row there's been a lot of good tackles. And so I'm watching the line closely. And I'm also intrigued by the receiver class. It seems like every year lately there's just a ton of different receivers that are pro-ready coming in, and there's some really good smaller school receivers that are at the Senior Bowl this week as well. And so uh, I believe his last name is Eskridge uh, from Western Michigan is a guy that I really like that's got blazing speed, and he had a good day today. There's some good running backs too. So those are the position groups that I'm going to be watching. I'm looking at corners too because from a Seahawk perspective – they only have one starting corner that's under contract right now, and calling him a starter is kind of just putting a label there. I don't know that he's necessarily been starter quality, but we're he's in the same team. boat. We are in the same boat, man. The best we got is Russell Douglas, and we picked him off the trash heap. Yeah, uh, so I don't know. I don't know that I would call this a great corner class, but I will say that if you're looking for the long-armed, big-bodied types. There are a lot of corners and safeties that could become corners, converts that are at the senior bowl. I think I had eight or nine guys on my list that had 32 plus inch arms. Uh, that's something the Seahawks are always looking for. So Scott Fitterer, if he's carrying that tradition over to Carolina, he'll be enthralled by all those long armed, tall corners and safeties and taking a close look at them this week. All right, my boy Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet Podcast said, you got to check out Corbin Smith. And he was right, man. You did not disappoint. Tell the C3 Panthers podcast listeners how they can find your work, Corbin. So you can find me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. I obviously do mostly Seahawks stuff, but I, I do a lot of draft talk, a lot of prospect profile. So Panthers fans may have a lot of interest in that and be starting those next week after the Senior Bowl gets over. And, uh, you can also find our podcast, Locked on Seahawks, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all those major platforms. All right, Corbin, man, you're the man. Thanks a lot for your time, and uh, I would say best of luck to you, but really, you're not even a rival anymore. We're like, we yeah, don't you guys, I don't worry about the Panthers, Seahawks fans. Uh, you know, and uh, hey, We're not playing you every single year now. Like I know. I, 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 I do want to feel you. like it for a moment. Did you used to worry about us back like when the when Carolina was honestly I always looked forward to the Panthers Seahawks games because I'm an old school guy. I like defensive, defensive battles with running yeah. the football a bunch. I was a running back, so I, I love teams that want to run it up the gut and grind out the game. So of course the analytics people don't like me for that reason. But you know, I still think it has a lot more value than a lot of people are painting as far as you know the value of the run game and and uh, at least having something that the other team has to respect aside from just your passing game. But, uh, yeah. All right. Thanks, Corbin. Man. You have a good one. Guys, uh, you heard it, is that uh, Scott Fitter's got a long-time history when it comes uh, to being involved with uh, the Seattle Seahawks. Did 19 years with that organization and now we get him uh, and that experience, but also kind of that youthful vigor uh, comes along with it. Now, uh, we left off on the Senior Bowl, Cody, the Carolina Panthers. That's the other, the the big news right there, I guess. If there is current, the most current news is today, 
And did they start weighing in yesterday? And then they started doing drills today. Is that what it went? Yeah, down? they were doing some of the on-field stuff today, and then yesterday they did the official uh, weigh-ins and measurements. And I mean, it's essentially a miniature version of the combine. Like they do the underwear Olympics, kind of make you stand on the scale, uh, do all that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's going on now, and uh, our coaches are there, uh, getting the yeah, first hand look at a lot of these players. Nice. The uh, story that was just posted like eight minutes ago, Senior Bowl, a chance to evaluate, but also develop by Darren Gant. It's talking about um, Matt Rule wants an opportunity not to get a bead on these young players, but it's an also an opportunity to develop these younger coaches. And there is already turnover. It's a constant turnover machine in the NFL the one he highlights in this article is Cedric Whitaker. Whitaker is a number one of a number of young coaches on rule staff who's playing a larger role this week at the senior bowl, according to Darren Gant. And they're trying to work on that infrastructure as we've heard about Joe Brady being, you know, um, a hot name. He did not get the job. But he has been interviewed a lot, and our quarterback's coach is now LSU's offensive coordinator. I think another uh, one of our offensive coaches, maybe like the offensive line coach, is now South Carolina's offensive coordinator. And the Panthers are going to have to continue to build and rebuild this coaching staff from within. So we have the Senior Bowl as well as one of the new coaches is a guy by the name of – Sean Ryan, correct, Cody? Yes. Tell us about Sean Ryan and this new, uh, I guess, and what this little douse of gasoline on the fire is. Yeah, well, so uh, Sean Ryan has a history um, coaching both. So, and he started on the Houston Texans. Well, he didn't start there, but he was with Deshaun Watson from 2016 to 2018. In 2016, uh, he was hired by the Houston Texans as a wide receiver coach, and the next year he was promoted to quarterback coach for the Texans. Uh, he then spent one year uh, as the quarterback coach for the Detroit Lions. So however much stock you want to put in to two years with Deshaun and one year with Matt Stafford, um, make of that what you will. Um, other than that, um, you know, he's, he's bumped around. He's had a few coaching jobs. He's been an offensive offensive assistant for the New York Giants. Um, he's been a wide receivers coach for him. He's bounced around a few different times, but, um, you know, he's, he's been around and honestly, he's just going to be an extension of what Joe Brady is doing anyway, because Joe Brady is our quarterback receivers guy. So, um, he does come. Uh, you know, highly touted. So I, I think he's going to be a good fit for us. Um, any of your thoughts on the Senior Bowl? Um, I haven't looked into a ton of it yet. Um, probably uh, when when the game is getting ready to be played, I'll look at all the snaps and look at all the one on one matchups, and then I'll watch the game in and of itself. Um, I haven't seen a ton yet. I do know a name that I keep on hearing and seeing about on Twitter is Jamie Newman. And Jamie Newman was the starting quarterback for Wake Forest 
um, in 2019, but then he was going to transfer to Georgia to be UGA's quarterback, uh, and then he opted out the season, which I think was a real terrible decision for him uh, to make. I mean, there's probably going to be a second or third round, maybe even later uh, prospect, but he is at the Senior Bowl right now, and, man, he has all the talent that you're looking for. He has the arm talent, the mobility, the ability to go through progressions. Didn't throw an inter, uh, an interception for the first few weeks of his 2019 career. So, um, you know, we're, we're looking at a bunch of different players right now, and it's a good opportunity for us. Um, Blake Bettis uh, said in the chat, who are our assistant, co- or our assistant head coach now? Who's our assistant head coach and who are these new fits? Uh, right now, if you pull it up on the Panthers website, uh, looks, I mean, I, uh, Chase, but the first of all, these pictures are wonderful. Oh my gosh. I love Ed Foley. Whoever this guy is, Ed Foley. I want to get to know you. Um, Chase Blackburn. We know him. Joe Brady. We know him. Phil Snow. We know him. Um, trying to look at some of these other guys. What's up with this? Is Matt, isn't Matt Lombardi? Isn't there also a guy that works for like PFF or Mike uh, Lombardi? Oh, it's Mike Lombardi. Okay. Yeah. And here's the most recent news is that, and I gotta say, we hired Tony Sperano Jr. And I read the tweet Tony like 9,000 times. I was like, we got little Tony Soprano. I, I mean, I, was, I read it three times and I was like, I know it's not. Tony. So if you guys don't remember, Tony Sperano is a former, he was a former head coach of the Dolphins. His dad passed away a few years ago. He was the guy that wore sunglasses. So on the sideline all the time in Miami, and I need somebody to put some sunglasses on old T- Tony Sperano Jr.'s picture right here. Um, okay, so that's basically the news, right? What other news yeah. is there? I mean, oh, pretty- oh, okay, here. Um, how about this, Greg? What do you think about Matt Stafford as a Carolina Panther? We trade. We got to trade two thousand years of picks for him. No, you just got to trade this year's first, probably. No way, not for that age of a quarterback. He's on mute. You on mute? Uh, I just can't do it, man. I, I just don't think Matt Stafford has enough in the tank. You give me a young Matt Stafford, you know, maybe five, six years ago, then yeah, I'm thinking that that's a possibility. But I just not not now. It's too late. I need I need a new young quarterback. I think. If you've been in the league more than five years, I think it's just too long for you. Got to be a franchise quarterback if you've been in the league, and you got to be in the league less than five years for me to really want you. I mean, ideally, I'd want you to be younger than twenty. Well, yeah, ideally, but I'm saying if we're going to trade yeah. for somebody who is a franchise quarterback already, it, it's it's got to be somebody younger. Yeah, for sure. That's I don't really have a problem. My problem is this: is just the cost of it. You know, is that ultimately is that he. Kind of look at his passing stats. I mean, he's throwing thirty-two. He's throwing. He throws through forty-one touchdowns in two thousand eleven. That's pretty good. I mean, um, I don't know. Does it not he's dealt with some injuries now. I just don't. I'm not interested in this. Is yeah. I don't even care. Is it doesn't have anything to do with Stafford at this point. 
what it has to do with this is taking on a quarterback that could be a momentary, you know, a two-year great option in a way, right? I mean, it could work. But then you got Teddy's contract. Like, I mean, how can you really afford it? And then, I mean, I understand giving up draft capital and even taking money uh, to the, you know, having to swallow the contract of Teddy Bridgewater to a certain degree with the idea that you have this bright future ahead. I don't know if it's, it it feels very short term thinkish though, to, to be in the running for Matt Stafford for our team, for maybe the bears, for the Washington football team, different scenario. Yeah. And we were always under this illusion that the Panthers were just one or two players away from being a Super Bowl contender. Like, I mean, I, I listen. Feel like that, though. We haven't felt like but that. So then, if, if that's not oh, no, but I'm saying that's what the the team builders inside the Panthers organization, Marty Herney, for the past few years, and a bunch of others, like we have gone about our free agency and our drafting, like we're a team that's ready to win right now, and all of our salary cap numbers say that as well. Like the for you know that's why our numbers aren't so good right now because the Panthers have put a lot of money into contracts on players that were supposed to be a part of a Super Bowl push for us and they never panned out. Um, and I want to kind of give you guys an idea of um, you know how I'm looking at the future for the Panthers because I mentioned in our Twitter chat like we're really tearing the line of being in purgatory for a long time here. And I think one of the things that all of us Panther fans need to understand and realize is that no matter what our answer is, it's going to involve giving up something to move and get a quarterback. It doesn't matter if you're talking about going to get Matthew Stafford or Carson Wentz or Deshaun Watson, whatever, you're going to have to trade something away to some of these teams. Um, If you don't want to go the free agency route, then you're going to have to move up in the draft. And I'm going to give you guys a sneak peek at the new um, draft tech uh, draft we have coming out tomorrow Uh, because in our uh, top seven picks, four quarterbacks went before the Panthers even had a chance to draft. Lawrence went one. Um, This is up in the air. I mean, it's a mock draft. Uh, Fields ended up going four Wilson six, Trey Lance seven. So whatever number it ends up being that those players go, there are now a bunch of teams ahead of us that also need to draft a quarterback. We know the Lions are going to draft a quarterback. Like they're going to have to. Um, so again, it's just a tough situation. I feel Philadelphia won't be in the market for a quarterback. I think they'll probably kick the tires on Carson Wentz a little bit longer. Um, but I really just think that Panther fans as a whole need to understand that going forward, if we're going to fix our quarterback with either a premium free agent or a premium draft pick, we're going to have to give something away. You have to accept that reality now because it's going to happen. If not, you're going to have to either settle for a quarterback that you're not in love with, uh, like a Matt Jones, like a Kyle Trask. Um, or you're just going to have to build your team the traditional way and run it back with Bridgewater. I mean, those are our options right now. We're in a very precarious position. 
and how our GM acts right now is going to define the next five years or more for us. I really believe that. All right. Uh, you're li- Go ahead, Greg. Well, I have a question for you, Cody. Uh, yeah. And this is all, everything about this is hypothetical. Okay. But just, I just want to know what you would do in this situation. You're going to get one of these two things. You're either going to get Deshaun Watson or you're going to get one of the top four, one of the top four quarter, well, top three minus uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence. You're not getting Trevor Lawrence. He's going first. Right. So Fields, Wilson, or uh, uh, what's the third guy? I can't even remember. Anyway, Lance. Lance. Yeah, okay. So you can either get Sean Watson or one of those three guys. You have to give the same exact thing to give the one. Which one are you taking? You taking one of the rookies or you taking Sean Watson? Sean <laughs> Watson, baby. Deshaun, because Deshaun has proven to be uh, – I'm right there with you. I'm right there yeah. with you. I'm going to Sean in the end of the situation. But, but by the way, I would, dude, any of those other three quarterbacks are younger um, and, and also great prospects in and of themselves. So um, I'm happy with any of those guys. So, uh, so if, if Zach Wilson or one of these guys is available right before us at eight and we call Houston and say, hey, We'll give you this pick, and you can pick up this quarterback. Give it to Sean Watson. You'd be cool with that. But yeah, but, but Deshaun, okay. we're gonna we're gonna know what happens with Deshaun. Before he's gonna be a jet. He's gonna yeah, be. I think he might be right. He might be. A jet. I don't understand. Like, why not? I would prefer to go to the Dolphins. Yeah, I don't understand why you'd prefer to go to the Jets. I mean, it's been known to be one of the most inept franchises to exist on the planet. Like, I mean, it's. Even when they were supposed to be him choosing, I think the Jets just have the it, best it option. Makes, it, I think it makes more sense for them instead of, you know, kind of gambling on a quarterback again, right? Which they did on Darnold. But he also like go out and get the guy. You know, is that there's less time for the Jets to be relevant again? Like right. it's, it accelerates the process so much. Would Would you think that the uh, the Houston Texans would? refuse to trade him to the Jets because that's where he wants to go just out of spite? I don't think he wants to go there. I think he would want to go to, like, the Patriots. No, all the reports are saying that he, he wants, wants to go to, to, go Jets. to Jets. Really? It's yeah. New York, man. He's young. It's New York. Why not? It's, yeah. it's New York. It's the amount of draft picks that they have. It's the amount it's of so money. so much cooler in the 80s. It's the amount of money that they're going to have. Um, and uh, Deshaun Watson really liked Robert Sala, and the Texans didn't even interview him, even though they knew that Deshaun wanted them to. So um, I think that plays a part of it. Uh, Dude, Deshaun Watson is such a win-win situation right now because he's the only one that can waive that no-trade clause. Like, he basically gets to say, I will uh, waive my no-trade clause for only certain teams. Like only the ones that I'm wanting to go to. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a. It's it's, a I think it's all is like 31 of them. Mm. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I've heard, I've heard, I've heard that there's like a list, and one of those people that he would put on the, you know, I've heard the Panthers are still on that list somewhere for him, you know, and so well, I, he I, really I, wants to go to a team that can't that 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 the Texans won't trade him to, the Colts. Boom. That would be that would be if the Colts got him, that would be a dangerous thing. It's not gonna happen because no, they're no, in the not in their division. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm trying to think of actually when we were talking about Stafford, 
I think Stafford's landing spots. I like. I think the Washington football team. Yeah, I think New England, man. I think the Patriot. He'd be fine on the Patriots. Yeah. Again, I don't even really have a. I don't have a problem with Stanford. It's just where we're at. It's not really an ideal situation. No. For us. All right. Yeah. Numbers two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. Let's go ahead and jump in these cat calls. So, what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, it's pretty. You shouldn't do that to somebody. And how did that make you feel? Uh, very uncomfortable. So, how do you think cat calling makes the person feel? It feels good, like. Hey guys, this is Tyler from Spruce Pond, aka the Country Panther. What's up, uh, Country Panther? Anyway, with that being to said, address Chuck uh, from Elizabeth City's call last week. Just started listening to the podcast. I heard his first call talking about Jerry Richardson and how respectful, or maybe he didn't say respectful, but um, appreciative he was, Jerry Richardson and. Um, I just want to throw this out there that my grandpa used to be a manager at Hardy. And I'm pretty sure that's how Jerry Richardson made his money. It might have not have been the sole reason, but it was a um, yeah, Hardy's was a part, part of why Jerry Richardson yeah, was able to buy the Carolina Panthers. But anyway, um, my grandpa said that they would have these conferences where he would go and Jerry Richardson would be there. And my grandpa loves the Panthers, but he doesn't hate anyone as much as he hates Jerry Richardson. He said that dude was the biggest asshole he's ever met in his entire life. And I just wanted to throw that out there. Jerry Richardson's an asshole um, coming from. He may also be your grandmother underneath him. So hey, your grandfather. You, Jerry Richardson, <laughs> uh, you're a fucking asshole. Uh, shout out to the Country Panther, man. I was listening to your podcast today, and I do think there's some prerequisites for the Country Panther podcast is that you got to have a country accent, bro. His guest was more country than he is. And uh, I gotta say, it, it, you know, on top of that, Jerry Richardson being an asshole, he probably made a pass at your grandma, homie. That's he probably made- why your grandpa don't like him. He was a real baller like that. But like, hey, baby, jump up and down in them jeans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next call. What's up, guys? Scott again, calling from Winston-Salem. So, a question. I don't know if any of you guys have ever watched the movie Moneyball. Yep. The NFL is moving towards this analytics type of stuff, just like my phone does every day. It tells me what my analytics are on who I talk to, which is ridiculous. However, <laughs> Moneyball is a true story about the California Athletics, and they used statistics and built a team based on statistics, not the first-round draft, second-round drafts, or even high draft choices. So why can't we do that with the football team the same way? I know that your thoughts are going to be different. You're probably going to say no way. But nah, I think that's exactly what Tepper wants to do. Matt Rule's got an eight-year freaking contract. Of ever how much money that is, can't even remember. Don't make a difference because sixty-five, I'm eighty, but somewhere in there. Why not do just like the movie Moneyball, where they use stats, build a baseball team, and it worked, and they won the Dagon World Series with it. So I, I don't understand. 
all this stuff they also traded away like the best pay, players every year Oakland. it makes no sense after the draft picks anyway they're just based out of college every one of us know that a college football team you're playing a bunch against a bunch of kids and yeah if you have a star quarterback in college it doesn't necessarily translate to him being a good quarterback in the nfl look at josh rosen talking all that trash about people are going to be sad are upset that they didn't mm. draft him. He's going to make a mockery. Mm. What does he do now? Practice squad, second string quarterback. So evidently, the stats didn't help him become out of come out of uh, college, being a top prospect. So why not do something like Moneyball? I'd be all for it just to see one year. It seems like we're throwing away a year anyway. If we're going to keep Teddy Bridgewater, what a piece of trash! So that's just not all. <laughs> Uh, it's probably not feasible in today's society. However, uh, they were called the California Athletics anyway. They weren't Oakland, <clears throat> but I don't know. It'd be nice to try. I always right, called guys. them the Oakland days. Talk to you later. Didn't know. It, I mean, maybe it was, but I always thought they were the Oakland days. Like I was. I mean, I thought that uh, Moneyball was after like Mark McGuire. It was like his guy was his name was Billy Bean too. Billy yeah. Bean. Yeah, Brandon Bean. Billy Bean. You're thinking of Brandon Bean. Yeah, the old here is that th- football organizations have have yearned to recreate that or to create that in the NFL, you know. But baseball is such a game of ridiculous longevity statistics. You know what I'm saying? It's just like this: is that we're gonna throw this pitch nine thousand times this year. So we'll be, you know, the law of averages works better. It's like playing blackjack over a million years rather than just 20 hands. The football team is a little more, I think, a little more complicated in where, you know, the number of reps and different things, maybe it's not, I won't say complicated. That might not be the right word. Um, You know, where you don't have the opportunity for those law of averages to play out as much, you know, where there are the anomalies where we flip the head six times in a row a little different. But I think this is from all the signs that we have seen. Cody, you highlighted this coming into the show is that everything we've heard out of Tepper's mouth over the last two years, even going back to rule is a more analytics based uh, model. My idea has been that. You know, he wants to have a chart guy who is in charge of the front office. But one thing that I heard that um, that Tepper outlined that I kind of if it made me feel good about this is we've wondered, is really Matt Rule the guy? Because his contract is bigger than Federer's his contract. You're right. Is he really the GM in all cases? And what I think Tepper, when he says a flat organization, is I think he wants a little bit more division of authority to take some responsibility off of people's plates. And therefore, is this, is rule, you're a coach. We're going to give you a team. You get the most out of them. We're going to listen to you in building that team, clearly. But your job is to take who we got and get the most out of them. Fitterer, your job is to get us the most, the best ingredients. And instead of putting too much on this, is that, you know, is Cam Rule balance all of those and juggle them? He can be the old ball coach here. I think that the Panthers are looking for, 
I don't know though. How do we, Cody, how do you balance the analytics in the NFL? Like, because it's not like, Hey, we can throw really here. Is there a lot of baseball purists or, you know, baseball fans? Like we, we hate the shift. You know what I'm saying? It's like this. It's like yeah. you assholes, you assholes are not even going to cover third base. Because the analytics say 97% of the time, I'm not going to hit it there. And you yeah. know what? They're right. So, so hey, real quick, 71 people watching, 52 likes. Hit the thumbs up. Um, you know, uh, over an hour and almost 20 minutes into the show, still got 73 people strong. Um, and, yeah, I mentioned this earlier. I'm kind of hesitant with all the analytics. And I feel like our caller was, too. I think it definitely – Helps you in um, in regards yes, to he was saying let's go all in on the yeah analytics. so the money ball is the analytics idea if you want to go money yeah. ball it's all analytics yeah but my thing is this though so if you look at that NFC championship game like I don't know what the analytics said but choosing to yeah you know, I can tell you I can tell you what they well, said well, well, I, to not well, do what they told well, you to not do what Green Bay did I'll tell you hold on yeah good finish Cody. No, but uh, so that's my point. Did they say that Matt Lafleur did the right thing? It, no, it was a, it was a ten percent. If, if they would have gone for a touchdown on fourth down, it was a ten percent chance they win the game. If they kicked the field goal, it was a nine point five percent chance they win the game. That was the analytics on it. Hmm. And there's the other analytics that there have been 66 other instances I heard on the radio today of the exact same like down nine eight down eight inside of whatever mm-hmm. minutes and the in the playoffs and zero people made the decision that Matt LaFleur made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he man. made, I, I mean, really is that here? Is that the idea is that I want to say this about the analytics thing though, because you have to understand that those numbers are going to fail you when you're not looking at the situation on the other side of the football field. Those numbers can't crunch highly specific data. So for example, Instead of, I'm just using this as an example, right? But let's say the analytics thought that the Packers did do the right thing. But then now you're basically saying that instead of trusting your MVP candidate quarterback to get a first down at least, now you're going to give the ball back to Tom Brady, the most storied quarterback in the history of the NFL, and all he has to do is get a first down. Get a first down. Yeah. Like, yeah. The I, analytics I, did not say to do it. And here's the thing is analytics and gut and understanding can all coalesce. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that, I mean, really, is that the analytics and your gut right there said don't do this. Mm-hmm. It's not like Green Bay had a defense that's like the 85 Bears. Right. There is. I mean, there are times where you rebuff those types of moments, but that was that's not a it's a terrible example in some ways, just because it was the bad decision. Yeah. And you know what? And I was listening to Clay Travis, so I can't take this this opinion, but he brought up a good point is that um, Aaron Rodgers, who kind of said this was that was Matt LaFleur's doing, not mine, which is true. Like he wasn't. But Aaron Rodgers also didn't scramble on third down where he could have made it a much easier fourth down conversion. His answer was, I thought we had four downs. Well, if you thought you had four downs, then you could get a little bit closer to the end zone. Some different things like that. So 
I think, but when we're talking about analytics, I almost think that we're not using analytics to make every decision like a beacon, like we have no choice, right? Like, well, the analytics say we got to go for it on fourth down, but as a guiding light. And hopefully we use that, like the caller is saying, in personnel mm-hmm. is to value positions, right? Analytics can tell us that running backs aren't as important as left tackles or vice versa. Right. Right. They can be these guiding lights and how to build a team, <clears throat> maybe not how to make every decision. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, a key, key uh, element, a uh, uh, key thing in analytics I saw in the playoffs this year, the Tennessee and Indianapolis game. Uh, Tennessee, the analytics said for them to go for two. Indianapolis, they didn't get it. The analytics said not to go for the field goal and to go for it on fourth down. They didn't get the fourth down. That's four points. They lost by three. Yeah. So the analytics. Well, there's also another thing is, is sometimes yeah. you just got to look at your team and you say, all right, we only got so much time here. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you said here, I mean, a g- good example of the Kansas, I mean, the Green Bay game. Is that even if you don't get it, you give the they get the ball in the two, right? Right. Instead of getting three and then giving a ball back and hoping you're going to get an onside, whatever you do next. The other example would be Tennessee, where you know it's fourth quarter or something like that. You have limited possessions left, and you got a fourth and one, and you punt the ball, and you got damn Derrick Henry. You know, sometimes you just got to and I think that the I think the analytics are really kind of just saying this to me. This is why it's like this. It's like, look, you can play blackjack by the book. You can play poker straight to the book. And yes, over a million years, you'll win more than you lose. But you won't win the most you could have won if you played with some feel in the same time. Mm hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where you read the situation, where you get a bead, where you know your opponent, where you know your own strengths, this type, uh, this and that. And so I think what we're seeing is that the NFL has been resisting being aggressive. And I think here, if you look at the Bills, I think when you play the Kansas City Chiefs, it's so clear what you got to do. And that is you got to score touchdowns. Field yeah. goals will not be enough. Mm-hmm. Like I don't care what the right decision is, is that these guys can be down 35 and they're going to come back and make it a game. So every time you're in the, you see the field, I mean, you see the end zone, I'm going for that bitch. Like we got to get the most. And it's kind of like, hey, let's not always play the safest bet here. Let's play the multiplier on this bitch. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of at the point where I don't know. I mean, are we talking Super Bowl? If we're talking Super Bowl, let's talk Super Bowl. No, we're not talking about Super Bowl. Let's go to the next call. How about that? We'll go to the next call. Yes, I would. I love your podcast. I want to kind of talk about the Panthers, but I just want to talk about, you know, P.J. Walker. I want to talk about (laughs) why people are – I want to ask, what people think about him right now because I like PJ Walker. Here, but. every week we got to get a PJ Walker fan club member. Thanks for the call. PJ Walker uh, is going to not have an opportunity with anybody until he does. Next call. 
Hey guys, this is Chuck calling from Louisville City. Chuck. Uh, yeah, with the new GM hire, I, I really feel, um, just listening to his statement, it's kind of a damning statement for Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, yes. Uh, I want to talk about definitely this. Definitely think we're going to move on. And, and with Tepper, really, I mean, he just comes right out there and says it. Yeah, he himself. does. You know, you've, you've got to win, be more consistent in order to, uh, be starting quarterback. Uh, it's just between rule uh, during the season as the season progressed, um, kind of moving away from Teddy. Uh, and then the writing's on the wall. And regardless of this one year, if we've got to eat the $20 million, his salary, I know it's tough. Uh, I don't know if we can package him in some type of a trade deal, mm-hmm. but I definitely think we have three options here. Um, number one, which would be the best thing, to, way to go would be probably to draft a young rookie quarterback. Unfortunately, I think where we're drafting, if we're not willing to trade up and, and, and kind of risk a little bit more because of the future, and we're, then we're also taking a chance uh, getting a young quarterback that might not pan out. That's option number one. Option number two, which I think would give us the best stability um, or the best-looking quarterback we could get would be Deshaun Watson. Unfortunately, that's really going to cost us a lot of capital between players and draft picks, and it could set us back. Um, and it does have a high sticker price, but I really feel that, you know, that would be a nice option. But number three is the option I feel that we could afford, uh, Matt Stafford. Mm. I don't know what the going rate for Matt Stafford if he'd even want to come here. I know he's it's thirty five million dollars. I still think the man's got you know at least three plus years left. Draft picks. That might be good enough to bridge to another quarterback. But one thing about that I'm gonna say is this, you know, he's always been a competitor. And uh, somebody's made a point I've been reading online in different places and podcasts where somebody says, you know, he's never won a playoff game. But how many playoff games did uh did uh Calvin Johnson win? No. How many did Barry Sanders, a great Barry Sanders, win in Detroit? One, maybe two. Um, it's just not a great franchise when it comes yeah. to playoffs. So I don't think you can lay all that at Stafford's feet, much more than the organization and the coaches they've had. But the one thing I'll say is Stafford, even if it costs us the eighth overall pick, Detroit could take the seventh and eighth pick and probably package up and get something with the Jets, they'd really be in line with number two because the Jets could trade down and get number seven. All right. Uh, on Stafford, just so we can, I would say, put this to bed first is, look, he's a former Georgia quarterback. My wife's family's, but, you know, so no problems there. He's due. He counts $33 million against uh, the salary cap this year going into this season for um, the Detroit Lions 26 next year. And to be honest, if we had nobody at quarterback right now, if we had P.J. Walker and that was it, I really don't have a problem with that because his contract's going to go down 2023. He'll be 35 years old. He'll have, he only counts $3 million against the cap, right? And you got him for three years. You could do something like that. You can maybe renegotiate it over four. I don't have a problem with it. It's just this is imagine getting him and cutting Teddy, and basically you have $55 million in the quarterback position. I just – and you had to give up. 
draft picks. I have a question. And you had to give up draft picks. I, I have a question then. If Detroit, in agreement with the trade, decided to eat the cap number that da- Stafford has in exchange for our first-round pick, we get Stafford with no cap it whatsoever. Would you trade this first-round pick on number yeah. eight? First and, round pick I, and I'm open to the idea. I'd be open to the idea. <sighs> I'm not. I'm, I'm still not either. That's the yeah. best solution, but it's not the worst solution, dude. Look, look it, the Question thing is, mark but, about him, though, or how – He's gotten beat the fuck up. Exactly. It's putting us in the same position. If you get Matt Stafford, you trade the eighth pick for Matt Stafford right now, you're going to be drafting between eighth and 15th for the next four years, however long you've got him. I'm not saying he's a terrible quarterback, but he's on the tail end of his career. And, you know, the caller was talking about comparing him to Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson. Well, Matt Stafford was never the best court, best guy at his position. Calvin Johnson and Barry Sanders were. And you don't really compare. I can't really hold a, a quarterback or, a, excuse me, a wide receiver or a running back to the same standards I do a quarterback as far as carrying a team to the playoffs. He's it's, been you know, pretty so. badass, though. You know, no, he's, he's, he's been great. Career. He's been great, but he's on the tail end of that career. You know, he never he's never thrown over more than. Uh, all right, all right. His rookie year, he threw twenty interceptions. But dude, this is what rookie, I'm trying to say. He doesn't. Rookie uh, year. Other than that, he has never thrown over nineteen interceptions. It, it's, he doesn't it's always the same spot. talent around us. Right. He doesn't elevate the talent around us. Mm-hmm. And my thing is this: yes, like, he does. He does way more. We would have won more games this year with him. Oh okay, yes. So he has. A, he has a bigger. A, a bigger better arm than Teddy Bridgewater. But listen, for all the fans that kept on wanting us to be like, oh, stop talking about Cam Newton. Stop talking about Cam Newton. Like, this is a lateral move. Like, we, we moved on from Cam it's Newton. It's an upward move from it's Teddy. Upward. It's, better. it's a better move. I'm we would have won more games. Cam but... Newton. Oh, okay, Everyone well, that's, that ship's gone, though. No, but this is what I'm I talking about. He's, he's comparing uh, staff to Cam, Cam Newton. Newton. Oh, I'm saying yeah. you're not going to tell me that we're going to move on from an older injury prone quarterback, then to go in and bring an even exactly. older yeah. injury prone quarterback. Like this is dumb to me. I, it I, might I, be, I we like, might be wrong in saying he's injury. Pr- well, he, he is injury prone. Like he's always hurt, but guess what? He started every game since 2011, except for 2019 where he, he missed half the season. And then he went on IR and they just can put him. He started. 16 games this year. And this He's mug was getting like yeah. yeah. Just like Rivers. The same quarterback. Got no hand. Yeah. I, did, I, I think mean, he's I better. Like I think the reality is if you see some of the throws, Matt Stafford. I mean, here's the part. I, I I'm in agreement with Cody. Dude, I don't think it's all like, he he's he's got and, and and you can argue this all day. He has got one of the best arms as far as arm talent yeah. in the NFL, and he has since he came into the league. You know, as problem was, is that the the inept Detroit Lions were only able to put one receiver in front of him that were able to actually uh, keep a high level performance, and that was. So they've never had a running game. They've always their problem has not even been their players, man. In some cases, it's just been ever since they got rid of that soft spoken. Who was that black uh, coach they had? And he was so soft spoken, but they won. They went to the playoffs with him, Jim Caldwell. Caldwell yeah, yeah, Caldwell. Ever like they've they're just a disaster. It's kind of like the stench, and so you don't even know how much of that is Matt Stafford. 
I just don't think we're close enough. Yeah. I think, yeah. hey, all of a sudden you got a defense in Washington and you put them on there and it's you and all of a sudden it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it to see what we can do here. The Panthers, by the time it became really helpful, it would be too late then. Yeah, and by so Panthers Buzz FSU twenty-three uh says can't wait years and years to plan to win in the future. Win now, go all in. And the Panthers have had this mindset for years now, and it hasn't worked out for them. No, we haven't. Yes, we have, Tony. No. We have been doing this thing for years. Ever we since only our- had that one year. One it year. It doesn't matter. We have our team from free agency to the draft have been building this football team like we're about to go and win the Super Bowl. Like that, that that is how we have tried to build this football team, and it hasn't worked. And what I'm saying is Matthew Stafford, not only does he have better options for him, but like what do Panther fans expect Matthew Stafford to come in and do for us? Like the the options Oh, I think we could be a twelve and four team if we gave him a good oh, squad. I think you're dreaming. Hell yeah, we could. Oh no. He made golden tape. Marvin, uh, like Marvin Jones, these guys, they always put up offensive numbers, man. They always went to other teams. They put up offensive numbers, which shows you they're just good receivers. Like I said, I'm not trying to take away from Matt Stafford, but we have good receivers. Golden Tate hasn't done anything in New York. They have just been a disaster at the top. And exactly. I just don't think that that means that Matt Stafford on a Indianapolis Colts team this year is better than Philip Rivers was. Yeah. Matt Stafford I, on the Saints team right now, they might be going to the damn Super Bowl. Really? really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. You got a lot of faith in Matt Stafford, huh? Yeah, I just think that he is far more competent than you. It's not like getting a guy who's just kind of. Yeah. Like this guy can straight ball if he's healthy. I know that's a question mark and all of this, but the problem is it's just a little too late. That's all I'm saying. It's a little too late for us. Exactly. Exactly. Like Mm -hmm. is I think y'all are hating on him a little bit too much. No, it's not that I'm hating on him. Like I said, I I don't think that he's better than Philip Rivers. I think you. I'd like to compare stats and look at records. I I definitely think he's better than Philip Rivers. I think they're they're close to the same player. Uh, but I don't think he's better than um, yeah, it's yeah. one of the things. I wouldn't have mind getting Philip Rivers five years ago. Who do you right think now, he's comparable to, Cody? Because I'm going to put – I think I can compare players. I'm going to do Philip Rivers. You pull up, you pull up uh, Stafford. I'll pull up Rivers. I think you can do on pro football reference. Who do you – who would you rather have in free agency right now than Stafford? Um, Deshaun Watson. Uh, uh, I mean, he's Deshaun Watson. I mean, listen to. I I honestly don't like. I really don't. I mean, uh, I'm I'm thinking of it this way. Like, you know, if, if we're looking at bringing in another player with a contract, to me, like it needs to be on the level of Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. If, if it's not that kind of quarterback that you're looking at getting, you should be aiming to move up in the draft to get a young player that you can build around. And I don't want to hear that it's too hard to do because it isn't. Is Aaron Rodgers going to be a Packer? He he may go somewhere else, but 
But yeah. also, can I just say this though? You know, earlier Greg was talking about you know uh, Aaron Rodgers, which I agree with you. By the way, Greg absolutely deserves his fair share of. Or no, you were talking about Brady. Tom Brady. Brady. Yeah, yeah Tom you were talking Brady. about Tom Brady. Oh, uh, Rodgers deserves a share of the ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Same, same thing with with Rodgers. Like mm-hmm. when you know you have to spread the blame around mm-hmm. evenly. And I'm sorry, but when I say that Matthew Stafford has never won a playoff game in his entire career in the NFL, like yeah, the Detroit Lions have been a bad team, but you also don't get to say that none of that is on him. Also, because I feel like I could put a few other quarterbacks on those teams that they've been on, and they've probably done a little better with them as opposed to Matthew Stafford. He's had two winning records in his entire career. Yeah, it two seasons not, of winning records. Matthew. I'd be interested to see the just like the the way the defense plays, you know, because that's the reason they hired Matt Patricia because they've they've really struggled to have a good defense. Mm-hmm. I don't think you guys have ever had a conversation about how great the defense was the Detroit Lions had. Have you, do you guys ever remember that? No. I mean, that's the reality. You can't. Uh, yeah. Can you say that about Cam Newton's first five years in the league? Absolutely, you can. And guess what? He went to the Super Bowl. Like, you can do that. You can do all those things. Guess what? Kansas City, they have a decent defense, right? They have weapons. They And, and if you – I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there have been some uh, – there have been some videos of every throw that Pat Mahomes has made. Matt Stafford has made them three or four more times than he ever has. Like the problem is that he, he's not on a winning football team. And so that we, yeah. we automatically have this mindset that he's not good. Um, and and yes, so here's right. what I would say, guess who didn't make the playoff with one of the greatest coaching staffs in the league. And that is Cam Newton. Right, you believe that he's still an elite quarterback in the NFL? I think you know. I think you all would. I personally don't. But guess what? He didn't have weapons around him. Like the Detroit Lions have not given him. Like when's the last time you can sit there and say you know he he's had these? Well, you could say that about Watson. He had Megatron. He had Golden Tate. Exactly. And guess what? Well, when first of all, there, Golden Tate is a great wide receiver. Yeah. Not, look, I love Golden Tate personally. Like I'm a big Golden Tate fan myself. But that's like saying Philly Brown is like the same as Ted Ginn Jr. Like he is, these are B players that have They're had very impressive careers. Can we talk about he has had some offense, but they've never been able, they haven't had any running game. Oh my God. They cannot figure out the running game. They had the, the last thousand yard rusher they had was damn the dude that went was with, was a saint that came from USC. The guy that dates the Kardashian or some shit. What's his name? It was Reggie uh, Bush. Yeah, Reggie Bush was their last thousand yard rusher, and that was like twenty ten. Here, look, I don't think he's the greatest thing ever. He's not. He's not here. I bet you this is that if I had my choice between Matt Ryan and Matt Stafford, I'm taking Matt Stafford. I'm taking Stafford. Alex Smith three or four years ago and Matt Stafford today, I'm taking Matt Stafford. And you want to bring up him having Megatron. What did he do when he had Megatron? They broke records. Yeah. As a receiver and quarterback. Touchdowns that year. Two two winning seasons in his career. One of them was Megatron. Yeah. I mean, if the winning winning season in Megatron was like no, do this. Look at look at the Lions roster right now 
minus the quarterback position. And look at the Panthers roster right now, minus the quarterback position. How much better or worse is that line? Way better than the Panthers. I mean, way better. The Panthers are way better than them outside of the quarterback. We're we're, we're way better than them. They're picking one pick ahead of us. I'm talking about number seven. I think that shows how fucked up they are. Because the problem is, is the Lions have had – the, over the last two years with Patricia, they've uh, what we thought gave him talent. And this that's not on him. That's like saying this is you know what we can say the same shit about the damn Texans, and you would say this is that motherfucker. Look, Watson's over there balling ass shit, and these motherfuckers can't get nothing done. You know why? Because it's a dumpster fire around him. Yeah, but I'm just saying Teddy Bridge, like, like dude, Teddy Bridgewater was on a team with a better record. Than the Lions, dude. I'm just saying, look, Matthew Stafford, I don't think does as much. I, look, I he, oh my gosh, though. As oh, you're making oh, the God. argument for us. You're making the argument is when yeah. you don't have a, when you have a roster, a mediocre quarterback can look okay at, yeah. at times. When you don't have a roster, a good quarterback can look like he's the reason that they're losing. So I, how long I, until and I have not even been in love with Stafford his whole no, career. No, no, I have not, not, like, I have not been gushing over this dude. I'm just saying this is that like I would rather have him than a lot of cats. No, I know what you're oh, saying. I, I, I agree. If, with you, yeah. if we went and got Matthew Stafford, how long until this Panthers team is a legitimate contender with Matthew Stafford? And for how long? True. Well, yes. That's the thing. That's why I have said I don't think he's a good fit for us. That's why I don't think he's a good fit for us. Like just like I don't really think us unless I would love it. Like I mean, I would love to have Aaron Rodgers come play for us for a year, but I still don't even think that would be the right fit for us. Because okay. I don't care who you like you could give a I don't think we're like the Bucks. Where we are just missing the quarterback. I think we're missing the quarterback. Yes. But I think that even he can't overcome some of those other things. Yeah, I agree. And I think that somebody, I think that uh, who was it that made the nemesis? Watson had a worse record this year than the Detroit Lions. And they didn't make the playoffs either. Because guess what? Because he had he beat them yeah he had a better he had a worse record than the Panthers and he is an elite quarterback that you want but guess what they couldn't do anything because they don't have a roster you're, like you're, the argument you want to make about Matthew Stafford this year is irrelevant if you're thinking that Watson is going to come in here and fix everything too the only thing about Watson though is is that he's you younger is you don't and a better quarterback. That. You don't have to do if you don't do it in three years it can't be done yeah. like we're to the point it's with Stafford. That it's this is that if he goes to a team like he needs to go to San Francisco, homie. And he he's not, to, yeah, true, very look. true. He needs to go to the Colts. He needs to go to the 49ers. Yeah. It's not going to be worth the money that we would have to pay to, right. To, right. to to get him. And it's not like Deshaun Watson, who you can make the argument that even Deshaun Watson isn't even in his prime yet for as right. good as he is. Whereas we're wondering how many good years Matthew Stafford has we'll left. left. Yeah. I don't and want we're to trying to get young in Carolina. Yeah. We are trying to get young, and it's that that's what we've been trying to do for over two years now. From yeah, our front, I agree. That's why we don't think it's the yeah. right move. Let yeah. me let me ask you a question Do you think that if he goes to the Patriots, the 49ers, or even Houston for that matter, wherever he goes, do you think he elevates that team, Matt Stafford? 
Yes. As is, I don't, no. I don't think he's no. the reason any of those teams went other than maybe New England. If he goes to the 49ers, he's not the reason they win, I don't think. Do you think, do, I mean, do you believe that Ryan Tannehill I actually think he elevates the 49ers more than he does the Patriots? Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. And, I agree. and I the reason that is, the 49ers seem to be closer every time. The Patriots are an enigma, guys. Like, we cannot evaluate the Patriots. And that's why I don't even want to say anything about Cam. First of all, they had no offense last year with Tom Brady. Zero. People were saying Tom Brady was done. Right? And so, it's and then on top of that, they had the most COVID opouts out of any team. And they were all on defense. Mm -hmm. So, they had a shit defense and bums and a Cam who was – not the cam he used to be. I mean, yeah. I think Cam did an admirable job. Admirable job. The only problem is, is his passing stats are still lackluster. It's the same cam, you know. It's like honestly, it's it's for problematic. Like even when, yards. I mean, no, like Cam Newton, like early, like at the first five years of his career, would have three hundred yard games all the time. Like, I mean, it just it felt like he was heaving the ball down the field. Right, and I get yeah. that he didn't have the weapons, but he had Demir Bird, who is a threat down the field. We all know that he's got the speed, and he still wasn't getting the ball down the field as as easily as he would. I think he looked better this year than he has when in the last two years in Carolina. His I'm, arm was not a problem, like everyone. Liked. I disagree. Yeah. I it wasn't the problem. It wasn't the problem, but it's it's a, a problem. Answer. His arm is not a problem. I'm telling you, Cody. If that was the case, they would have thrown the ball deep every. If that was, they they had no. They didn't have an offensive line. Offensive line to throw the ball deep. They couldn't throw the ball deep if they wanted to. Oh, how about this bullshit? I want to tell you guys this. I was watching, and this isn't on the their podcast. This isn't their fault. I was watching the Panther Nation podcast, and. Homie was pulling up the stats for like wideouts. And uh, DJ Moore was the 24th rated wide receiver by Pro Football Focus. <laughs> okay. Right, which I don't even understand how that's the case. But Robbie Anderson's not in the top 25, obviously, if DJ's 24. Guess who number 25 was? Curtis Obi Myers. Wow. Uh, I was like, what the hell, man? If you're looking at DJ Moore season and Jacoby Meyer with with Cam, I didn't even that's a, that's that's why people at PFF sometimes, man, they get lost in the weeds. Yeah, they really do. But I mean right, the, Yeah, do the next call. Next call. Hey, Sony. Hey, Cody. Hey, Sticky. Hey, guys. Chuck Collar from Elizabeth City. I just kind of want to get you guys' opinion. Uh, what do you guys think of uh, Scott Fitter's press conference? Oh, I'm going to play the uh, clip for you, Cody. Positive next. that you heard, anything negative. I, I hear a lot of people talking about he looked nervous, he looked sweaty, you know, he looked out of his element, and I'm not worried about that. I'm sure it's kind of hard to do a press conference when you got a cameraman and one other person in the room, and you're talking to an empty room. It might have, believe it or not, it might have been a lot easier if he had a group of people there, um, much like Rule had last year. I think he tired. looked goofy, it's if anything. Different, yeah. I'm yeah. sure it's pretty awkward. 
but I'm not too worried about him being nervous because I think when the Kansas also are the whole Panther staff looks goofy negotiations and, and, and he's picking his players and, and looking towards the scouts and seeing what, what we should do, move up and down, or who we should take and what this team needs. I think he's going to be right at home. I, I think we've got a, a winner here. I think him and Rule will work well together. Um, just kind of curious to see what you guys thought. Um, by listening to him talk, good things you heard from him, and maybe some things you got some concerns with. I definitely think he he laid it out on the line without really bringing up a player. Um, he kind of really put it out there about a quarterback winning in the fourth quarter, and I think that's a damning uh, thing I said once again on, on Bridgewater. I, I think what we really need to do, other than getting the quarterback, we've got to get this line built, and we've also got to get our secondary in order it's going to require some draft picks, guys. If we get a quarterback, we're not going to have as many draft picks. So I do see him trading back. So don't be surprised to see some guys taking in a draft we might not have heard of or guys we don't know a lot about, but he's done his homework on. And um, I don't think we're as far off as we think. I do definitely think we need the quarterback position to evolve and, and, and be better than what we've had it. And I think that's been the biggest glaring weakness uh that we had this year, it just the play was going downhill after every week. Uh, but I'm interested to hear you guys take on Federer. Thanks. Um, all right. So I think that when you watch the press conference, which I did, I watched it live, and um, I thought there was nothing to it. And not, and I'm not, and that's not a negative necessarily assessment of him, right? Is that did. Was there this at first? He was such a nice dude. Like it was so nice. Like he was just so nice. He's like, I want to thank my sister. I want to thank my catechism teacher. I want to thank, <laughs> right? Like he was just like, so, and so I want to thank Tepper. I want to thank, he's a nice dude, right? The other thing is, is I think all these mugs look goofy. Every single one of these guys is a goofball, right? And they always pick the goofiest dudes to run the whole crap. I mean, our head coach, look at him. Actually, he looks so tired in his interviews. He did not look excited ultimately about this pick, I didn't think. Our owner is goofy as shit, right? They look goofy. And how do you be a billionaire and the only laptop camera you got, the only camera you got, is the one that's on your laptop, like looking up into your nose. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Y'all expect more out of us. And you let all of the media just get away with all this crap. Buy a damn $45 mic, folks. But I thought, look, his press conference really didn't say anything. And in some ways, I'm a kind of okay with that. Right? Do I want what the Detroit Lions got with their head coach interview? Nope. Did you guys see that guy? Did you guys see the head coach interview for the Detroit Lions where he said, I want to build a team where we get punched in the face, we smile at you. When we get punched in the face, we bite your kneecap off. Yeah, he's a savage. He's a defensive line. It was a defensive line coach from the Saints, right? Right. And it was like, he's like studied under Greg Williams. Uh, you'll like this, Greg, is I, my wife had went out of town for a girls weekend this past weekend. And I sat around and played internet poker and just watched movies. I played internet poker on right. this screen 
and watch movies, whatever free movie popped up that was in my fancy. Mm-hmm. I went and watched Venom. And I got to say that I, as someone who is not a giant, giant comic book person, mm-hmm. is one of my favorite comic book movies. Venom was great. And at the end of Venom, Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know if you guys are in. I know this is reaching back because this movie was like from 2010 or 2012 or something. You're talking about the the Ed Hardy one? Yeah. I think it was only like yeah. three or four years ago. Yeah, that was recent. That was oh, that was like uh, that wasn't that long ago. That is it Ed or I mean, there's only one, right? Yeah, there's only one pure Venom movie. Yeah, it's the one with Ed that, Hardy, yeah. That one is maybe it was 2016. Maybe it was 2016, something like that. So at the end, he's in the cat, like he is in this gas station with this like Vietnamese woman who's been getting pressured by this guy to pay out like protection money. And they, you know, they showed it at the beginning of the movie and now at the end. And now it's about Venom and the guy becoming like one being, you know, they're kind of becoming the anti hero or anti whatever the term is. Yeah, that's the right MNB. Yeah. So he like switches into Venom and he grabs this bad dude and he goes, if you don't get the fuck out of here or whatever, I'm going to bite off your arms and I'm going to bite off your legs and then I'm going to bite off your head and you're going to be a lifeless turd floating in the wind. That was the same speech that the Detroit Lions head coach gave <laughs> at his, his press conference. Huh. So I want my coach to do that. Do I want my GM to be? Was he less charismatic? Like, did his? I don't really give a shit about that. If anything, my criticism isn't about him. It's about the Charlotte media, and the Charlotte media asked the weakest ass questions. And I'm sorry, folks. I hate to be calling y'all brothers out. I hate to call somebody out, but a guy comes up onto the stage. And he says, I'm not going to talk about people. I'm not going to talk about specific players. And the question you go with is, I won't name a specific name, but a quarterback in Houston. What do you think about it? Right. (laughs) He gave you an opening. He said this. This interview was tough. David Tepper came at me and asked me about analytics. He asked me about the cap. He pushed me to places that I was uncomfortable. And the first question they got is, what do you think about Deshaun Watson? Why not? What kind of analytics are the focal point here? What question, you know, it's like, let's drill down into the openings you gave us. So I don't think he gave us much, but I tell you, I know one person that's excited about him and it's Cody Lashney. And the reason He's excited about him is because he said this. All right, let's go to Brett Jensen, WBT. Uh, thanks, guys. Um, two quick questions, one for Scott and one for Dave. Uh, Scott, first with you, what is your definition of a franchise quarterback? What does that look like to you? Give the video? They can lift the players no. around them. Someone that gives you an opportunity do, to win when like, the game's on the line in the fourth quarter. Someone that just has the leadership qualities that – when they walk in the building, they know that's the person in charge. And those are those are the most important things. Then you get into the position uh, specifics, the processing, the, the you know, decision-making, the intelligence, the arm strength, the accuracy. But really when it comes down to it, it's the leadership and being able to compete and win when the game is on. 
Oh, I forgot. You guys can also share videos easier in this new platform. Nice. Don't forget that. Um, I'm just going to start sharing. Yeah, Cody. This double whatever. He likes big butts. He cannot lie. This podcast. All right. um, Look at the stepmom video. (laughs) He wants to be aggressive, though. And I think that like Chuck from Elizabeth City was saying, is that there have been, I wouldn't even call them hidden comments anymore. I think the organization from top to bottom is just saying what we all saw. Yeah. David Tepper has said, you can't get to the promised land without a quarterback. He came out and said that in a year where we're all like Teddy Bridgewater ain't the dude. Of course he knows what they're talking about. Matt Rule talked about he didn't play his best football and he wants, you know, he needs to play better. And then Scott Fitterer, his first day on the job says this. I believe that it all starts and stops with the quarterback. And then they asked him about what he thinks are elite talents. And he listed out all these talents that are antithetical Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, man. I, I honestly believe that this Panthers organization, they keep their ear to the ground. I mean, listen, we're all on Twitter. Panthers Twitter is a vibrant place to be. Lots of personalities, lots of strong opinions. And Panthers Twitter is involved in a lot of this back and forth in this in this discourse. So I find it really hard to believe that um you know, the, the people in high-up positions in this organization, they know what the fans think. They knew what the fans think when we were uh, calling for Ron Rivera to be fired, when we were calling for Marty Herney to be fired. Like, you know, I, I, I do feel like they keep their ear to the ground. And I don't think it's a coincidence that all of the things that Panther fans are screaming at the top of their lungs – about our quarterback and about Teddy Bridgewater, they are speaking to those things directly. So they're playing businessmen by not, you know, shitting on Teddy Bridgewater and dumping I on him. I think they are shitting on him. But though. they're doing it indirectly. They're doing it without directly saying, yeah, Teddy really underperformed this year, and we're definitely going to be looking to move on from him. Like, we, we know that they're not going to do that, but the next best thing is to say, well, hint, hint, nudge, nudge. You know, all the things that you're saying, you know, we, we hear you. We understand it. We see that there is a problem on this football team. And I'll pass the mic with this. Uh, again, I maintain that we were in eight football games where Teddy Bridgewater had the ball in his hand with an opportunity to go down and either tie the ball game or win the football game. And, and, and he choked every <laughs> single time. Every single time. So uh, it's very important that we nail this quarterback thing and, and nail it right. And when you hear our brand-new GM say something like that, you know, it has to give you a breath of fresh air a little bit. I don't know, guys, if I can really remember a time with a football team that they were so blatant in their assessment without just, you know, it's clear to me is I feel like they 
have been less politically guarded on this than normal. And I think that this is the kind of thing, like, is that we come out and we say something like, oh, Teddy Bridgewater can't do this. He can't get you to the top. And then then you'll get the kind of the guy that's like the Bill Voth, the let's talk down to you from our high horse and be like, oh, you're just a fan and you're being so emotional. There's so many complications. I feel like you got that kind of guy in the middle trying to defend Teddy Bridgewater. And then on the top, David Tepper is pissing on their heads saying, nope. I don't think there has been any suggestion from this Carolina Panthers team that Teddy Bridgewater could be the guy to go forward. Absolutely. There's no, there's no, there has been no committal. Like a lot of times, if there is a belief that this guy is the answer, and that maybe he just had a bad season. Right. You right. would have heard, you would have heard Teddy is the guy. He is the guy moving forward. But no, what did they say at the end of the season? We're gonna keep all options on the table. The yeah. the the on, only I, I agree with you, CK. The only thing is when you're dealing with liars, it's not always the case because they that was the same way with Cam. Remember, they were they were all about Cam being the quarterback and then this. And I don't and think then, they were. I think they were. I think I that's what we're saying. upset about okay. Cam is they were saying Cam isn't the is the guy. That's what I'm saying. They it's didn't a, believe that. In this the case, they're like, thing. we don't even think he's the dude. They're pissing on Teddy's head and telling him it's raining. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, All right. right. Yeah, no, absolutely. My podcast brothers, how y'all doing? What's up, Jake? Hey, man. You've seen the internet. You've been watching TV. Now, all of a sudden, people are saying that we should take Matthew Stafford from mm. Detroit. I'm at a point right now, gentlemen, that I just want to win. You know, first it was Trevor Lawrence. Then it was the dude from Ohio State. I like Zach Wilson, personally. You know, then it's, you know, Matt Jones. And then Deshaun Watson. It's like every single week is something different. Don't be surprised if you don't see Panther fans saying we should try to go get Aaron Rodgers since he said he doesn't know about his future in Green Bay. It's not going to happen. But just just, just watch. I mean, this is getting out of control. Matthew Stafford, I mean, he's a good quarterback. You know what I'm saying? And his contract is kind of friendly, too, if you like really look at it. But I'm just at a point now, I just want to win. Anything better than Teddy, man. Any any veteran should be better than the damn Teddy Bridgewater, personally. Personally, because people talk about, you know, Matthew Stafford's age. But look, Tom Brady's 43 years old. He's he's going to the Super Bowl. And fuck Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. The defense carried that motherfucker. We all know this shit. Put that in there. Thank you. out by the damn refs. Got bailed out once again. Give me your thoughts on Matthew Stafford. And always remember, y'all, keep passing. You know, Tom Brady, well, this will be his 10th Super Bowl appearance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Do you know the quarterback with the next – most amount of appearances five and that's john elway i mean yeah that's insane like, man. like i mean th- this guy you know when we uh make that statement that this dude has forgotten more shit than you'll ever know yeah no that's this, this guy Tom brady has lost more super bowls than you will ever be in and he's won more super bowls than you will ever win Right. Here's here's the funny thing, and here's what I'll say about this. I mean, everybody wanted to. I mean, their defense is good. Don't get me wrong, but this is essentially the exact same team it was last year with Jameis Winston at the helm that didn't do it. They brought Tom Brady. Defense has not been great, 
good. And I would say their defense has underperformed this season compared to last year. I think they've been the best. When they play their best football, I think they've had the best defense in the NFL this year. Yeah. I'm not the top two defense this year. I don't think they're the most consistent. They let me down, bro. Their defense, I thought they were going to be. How many times did you lose money on, on Tampa Bay? Mm. You know what? I stop. I stopped fucking with them, man. I actually, you know what? I said this on the radio this past week. We do our picks every week, which I won the picks this year on the for the first time. I had a good football year outside of Carolina. I won my the Keeper Fantasy Football League, which I have not been in the playoffs, but like one time, and now I'm in the playoffs and win it. And I would like to say this is I sent we in our keeper league, we get to keep a player. The maximum you can keep them is for four years. Like after that, you can't keep the player anymore, but we have a salary cap for the keepers. So really, if you keep a first rounder, that's all you can keep. Right. So you're really behooved to pick. You're trying to get young players on the back end that you can keep for cheap. I picked Alvin Kamara. In his rookie season in the 14th round, an unknown player from Tennessee. Nice. And he had this ball in ass season. I've kept him for pennies on the dollar. Every, you know, is like, and this year is my final year I could keep him. In his final year in he the final game. Yes, he won it by himself. He scored six touchdowns. Like it was like he's going into my fantasy football hall of fame. Yeah. Out tomorrow. But going back to no, is that I, I said on the radio this is that I'm picking Green Bay to win this game, mm-hmm. not because I necessarily believe they're the better team at this moment, but because I was burned by Tampa Bay so much early in the season. Mm-hmm. You know, like they let me down so much earlier when their offense wasn't clicking and their yeah. defense was okay. Their defense actually tailed off as their offense started to uptick, and now it's all coming together. Well, two things I wanted to mention to piggyback on what CK said. Yes, that is true. And I definitely listen, I have more respect for Tom Brady after this year than yeah. I have ever had for him in any wow, other year really? playing. I definitely do. And I, I even said this. Look, man, I, I'm consistent. I said this before the season. The fact that Tom Brady, who has been critiqued on arm talent, right? I think I've even been one of those people. Tony, I know I've heard you talk about him throwing dimes to Randy Moss and, and airing it out. Like, I, I, whatever. My thing is this. The fact, that, <laughs> the fact that Tom Brady decided to go to Tampa Bay where, where Bruce Arians has an offense that's predicated on throwing the football down the field. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like CK said, man, we, have, we are keenly aware of the NFC South, okay? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been a non-factor forever. The Panthers and the Falcons have been a more dominant team over the past five years than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But here comes Tom Brady. But more importantly, here comes Tom Brady playing playoff football in January. It really wasn't. When it no one is – Even in that last game, there, there was a, 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 a 
one of those passes was right off the hands of Mike Evans. Yeah, right, right into the, the yeah. hands of the of the defender. Like that could have been enough to maybe ice the game at, at that at that point. He I'm also had two, two dropped interceptions too. Uh, okay, I'm not listening. What I'm saying is, is Tom Brady, you know, for a guy who has all the accolades, mm-hmm. has come in and himself to be every bit of the goat. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, yes, it's very also, simple. Like it's not even uh, you can't even argue it, dude. He's got yeah. 10, been ten Super Bowls, yeah, ten Super Bowl appearances. He's going for his seventh ring. Um, it's it's insane, but I, I also I did want to give credit where credit was due to uh, the other players that they did bring on that team. Tristan Wirfs, there I think is a right tackle or a left tackle, dude. That guy is a motherfucker. He's better than almost every guy on our offensive line, not named Taylor Moten, and it, it was his first year. It is his first year in the NFL. Uh, they've drafted Devin White. They've drafted. Um, the that safety that they have playing this year that's playing really well, yeah. Uh, Winfield, uh, they have drafted well and they have put talent and players and pieces around their quarterbacks. Like, even though it's a one year thing so far, they have done everything correct in, in their drafts the, the past few years and hitting on some defensive players. So, um yeah, I like. All right, so uh, for, mad shout out to Derek Avery Pets uh, for the super chat, three dollars. We appreciate it. Kevin says he was average in four of six of his wins. What I feel like it's this is that um, there's been a lot of quarterbacks who have been great and then never like look. I mean, look, is Drew Brees quitting with one? Yeah, one ring. He's Manning quick. only had two, which I know two is great, but Rodgers may never win another one. You know, right? And yeah. at, at some, and I know, and I'm not. He is. He has been, and it's almost not even just his play. It's more of his winning DNA. And the problem that with Tom Brady is, and to highlight uh, Connie's um, comment is, she said, "F Tom Brady." Uh, we lost to him in the Super Bowl. Yeah, we did. Is he's actually become more dislikable as he's gotten older to me? Yeah, like as an individual, like he looks like he looks weird. He always looks like he's doing the blue steel look to me from Zoolander. <laughs> See, that's so funny because I, I feel oh, the exact opposite. Really? Like, he yeah, has I, been I a like dickhead. I, he's like a dickhead. He went from he like a, uh, on social media, he's an asshole. He's a troll. And yeah, to his own players, players. His players, he'll be like, fuck you guys. You dropped the ball. And you you did this. And then he makes a mistake. Blue steel. Blue steel. He don't I mean, he has become less like he's become yeah. less charismatic. This past week we had two of the most arrogant quarterbacks to ever play the game in the same game in green bay with aaron Rodgers and tom brady with the bucks like if you saw those guys every time they made a mistake it was they were looking at somebody else like oh yeah. why did you you're supposed to do this you're supposed to do that yeah. like trying to coach up instead of just being like i hadn't i didn't see a single one of them like my bad That's imagine if those bitches were black imagine what the fallout would be look cam newton be like that 
My bad. My bad. That's on me. And they're like, you selfish motherfucker. He's beating his chest. Look at him. He's beating his chest. <laughs> yeah. after, after he threw it, you know, in, in interception. Oh, my God. I know. I become, <laughs> is just uh, Tom Brady is a per. Look, I, I hate the 04. I hate that. That was one of the best Super Bowl games, though. It was That's right. such a good game. By the way, Great did you game. guys see Michael Thomas trolling Drew Brees? No. <laughs> Bro. During that Packers. Is a cry baby. Darnell Holmes said he's a bitch, but yeah. what did he say? He was basically, there was a deep pass, and I can't remember who did it, but he, he was basically tweeting out, amazing what can happen when you have a quarterback that can both throw, throw the ball beyond 15 yards. Well, we wouldn't know, so yeah. yeah. Um, don't come here. All right, next call. <laughs> How many calls do we have left? What it do, fellas? It's your boy Mike, aka Supreme Leader. Supreme Leader. Hope you guys are doing well, and everybody out there in Panther Nation. Uh, boy. So. Looking back at last season, Washington really fucked us, or did we fuck ourselves? Yeah, because, man. Uh, we could be picking possibly as high as number, what is it, number three or four? Three. Yeah, we've been three. Now we're stuck behind everybody who's going to want to take a quarterback. Yep. And it's looking pretty bleak. Um Kind of makes me want to give up, you know, the whole war for Deshaun Watson, but uh, I agree. I don't think we have enough draft capital to do it with all the other teams that's going to be buying for him. So, and Stafford, no, nah, I don't want Stafford. I don't want a Stafford infection. Uh, <laughs> really I laughed. For one of those young quarterbacks in the top four, uh, you know, the NFL's evolving now to a to what was a pocket passer quarterback to now a athletic and mobile type quarterback. And I was sure like one of those in the draft. Uh, well, Trey too Lance late. Could fall. Seems Maybe. Like a reach. If, uh, you know, there are other players on the board. But uh, I just feel like we got to trade up if we want that quarterback. And, I uh, feel like it's out of reach. Yeah. Or we could try to build off PJ, you know. No. Nah. All right. Thanks, Supreme Leader, for your call. The number is 252-228-5098. Smash the thumbs up button. You see everybody's Twitter handle on the screen right now. Go ahead, give us a follow. Subscribe. I see these other Panther podcasts. They're all, they're getting up in the thousands and thousands of YouTuber subscribers. Homies. Smash the thumbs up button. Subscribe to this game with us. We just be chatting about it. Um, Cody, I'm to the point right now when it comes to the draft and this and that. You you had me. You were like, oh, this is why we need to go. We need to be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. That's what our even our GM is ready. But I really don't feel about I'm not in the I'm not interested in trading up for anybody that isn't Trevor Lawrence or Zach. Wilson right now I'm at the point this is all right if I'm actually more excited if Trey Lance falls to us than if Justin Fields does is that messed up no no uh, as a matter of fact Daniel Jeremiah uh, put out his top 50 prospects uh, 
literally just before we went live, and he has uh, Justin Fields at 12 and Trey Lance at 11 on his big board. So, no, I, I think um, I've said some things to you about Justin, about how I think he um, might have an injury concern at the next level. Um, I, I don't know if his body is going to be able to hold up too well to it. Um, and Trey Lance, man, dude, in that good season that he had at North Dakota State, he didn't throw a single interception. Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't throw, throw a single interception. And he was throwing the football down the field mm-hmm. with touch. Okay, he would put his shoulder down and, and, and run you over and fight for more yardage. He can throw on the run. Um, yeah, as of right now, if there was a dream scenario, then sitting where we are, that's probably it. Being able to sit at eight and let Trey Lance fall to us and hopefully draft him. Or Justin Fields, either or. Um, but I think we're going to have to trade up. I think it's inevitable. And I think everyone... Or we're not in the running this year. Or we're not in the running this year, and it's next year. Our answers are coming next year, not this year. You guys got to stick around. We got three more calls, and Greg's going to hit us with Panthers trivia to end the show. So you better stick around and show your Panthers knowledge. Go ahead, smash the thumbs up, subscribe. Here's our next call. Hey, this is Kevin from Charleston. Uh, What's up, Kevin? My question is, if we lose Curtis Samuel to free agency, which we will. Do you think we should draft a player to replace him, maybe in like the mid round, or sign somebody in free agency? You know, who would you sign basically to replace him? Jamison Crowder. I'm kind of hoping, even though I know there's no way it's going to happen, but I want AJ Green. Just mm. not on because well, I think he can do. He's a shell, he's bro. Anything like that. The only reason I wanted to sign him is because. He played high school football in Somerville, which is not very, very close to Charleston. It'd be cool to see him play for the Panthers. Not very close or very close? What do you do to replace Curtis? I think he meant to say not far and changed it halfway through. Um, No, no A.J. Green anymore, bro. He would have been great. Same way with Matt Stafford. Five years ago, give him to me, but right now, no. When I, I hear this yeah. question, I still get depressed that we weren't able to do what I wanted us to do if I was the GM. And what I, I what I said on this show during the season, I wanted to trade Curtis Samuel because I, as of right now, it, it goes down to this. I would love Curtis Samuel to be on this team next year, but I don't want to pay DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. And right now, with the kind of money that we have, if you're asking me, okay, if you're only going to pay one receiver, who are you choosing to pay? DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel? Or who's more replaceable? Who's like, uh, I mean, there's a bunch of different ways to attack it. Yeah, I mean, I think we could have gotten a second round pick out of Curtis Samuel if you sent him to the right place. I mean, if you sent him to a Green Bay. Uh, and they had someone else to take the top off other than Devontae Adams. Like that could have been what the doctor ordered for them. Um, and if that was the case, then we would have like had if you would have traded Steve Smith to the Colts in 2009. Yeah. I mean, and then we might've had a second round. We might've had another, another second round pick to replace that receiver with. Um, and then you could have taken like a Kadarius Tony 
out of Florida, who is another very fast, very shifty guy. Also at the senior bowl that the uh, Panther coaches are taking a firsthand look at. Um, so, yeah, man, that's what I'm saying. It requires some cunning to, to be able to know when to make moves early because, you know, we could have gotten something for Curtis. I'll make a bet with you right now. Curtis Samuel leaves in free agency. Just as simple as that. I think that's best for everybody. And you might see him in Jacksonville with uh, old Urban Meyer. Yeah. You know, I'm Trevor. Is, is me saying, me being okay with us parting ways with Curtis Samuel is not a referendum on him. It's just ultimately money and needs. Money and needs. And I'm telling you this is you could either keep Robbie Anderson or Curtis Samuel. You go, oh, well, then let's have a discussion. Let's talk about how awesome and dynamic and multiple Curtis Samuel is. And then you say, well, guess what? Curtis Samuel is going to want more money. Yeah, I'm not into paying. You no, know, it's just like he's going to have to get you think paid. He's going to want more money guy. than Robbie Anderson? I think this is, I think that Curtis Samuel is sort of like Mike Davis. And what I mean by that is, is look, is this might be their only time that they sign the contract, like the best contract they could possibly sign. Not yeah. like the, it's not going to bu- break the bank. It's not going to be like, oh, Curtis Samuel reset the market. But, you know, $1.5 million, $2 million, $3 million is a big deal when it's a one-time thing. Yeah. And you know, know, Mike Davis is like this is like, hey, I'm gonna go here for eight hundred more grand because it's the only chance I got to get get eight more hundred grand. Hey, and uh, I don't blame him one bit. Uh thinking about this, um I had a brain for it. I forgot. Go ahead. All right, next call. Last two. What's going on, C3 Nation? This is your Yo. boy James and hitting y'all up. I know y'all probably already crushed this whole this old Matt Stafford, as I call him, <laughs> Pat Stafford. They yeah. always patting the stats to me. Oh, oh um, I like that. I like a lot that. of Pencil fans need to need to kill that whole noise about Matt Matt Stafford coming on coming to the Carolinas. We don't even need to get him. The man has not won no playoff games. He can't get it done. I don't want him here. He's I mean, and it'll be just stupid just to trade. It'd be stupid just to trade for me. You're already 32, 33. You're about to be, you're about to be almost out the door. We could have kept Cam for that. We need to go ahead and either we trade for Deshaun Watson or we go ahead and, um, we take get a, um, get a quarterback, you know, pick a quarterback in the draft. No, Hopefully bro, Trey Lance land, um, or Justin Fields land. But we don't need to get no Matt Stafford, man. And everybody want to cake up. I'm tired of these people. You know, making excuses for Matt Stafford and not getting on them, but they do everything they can. Do do everything they can to get on Cam Newton. I'm like Matt Stafford has more has a lot of weapons than Cam ever had in his whole career. So don't give me that crap. He could have won that. He could have won that playoff game against Dallas. So I think Matt Stafford is basically a Philip uh, Philip Rivers Jr. He's not that good. He's not. I mean, he's, I give him credit. He's good. <laughs> he's not that dude. So everybody yeah. needs to kill that old. I like to Bring Matt Stafford here. Bring Pat Stafford here. Nah. No. You don't need to come here. Right, dude, we're tanking this year. 
We're tank. You know what? I bet you. We're tanking this year. I hate hearing you. Oh, we fake tank this year. We tried to tank and didn't do a good job. You know what? I feel like our organization learned from their mistakes this year. They're going to push Teddy every fucking game. This offseason, I'm telling you, they are not. This is not a losing season coming up. I'm okay. just, in my opinion, I mean, I like more than about that, it might be just based on our record, but I'm telling you, these guys are going to make a move for a quarterback because guess what? This might be our last year with Joe Brady. Yeah, I mean, tell he, Greg, he definitely tell deserve, Greg. He definitely deserves. Who gives a shit? Yeah. That's what Greg's about to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm just saying, go. this is yeah. you're, you're not wrong. Is, you're definitely not very on top for Joe Brady. Right. I just wanted to um, talk about, you know, uh, there's a lot of, resume, you know, speculation and Panthers name, you know, comes up a couple of times, um, you know, most recently with uh, Matthew Stafford, possibly, you know, being a trade asset. And, you know, um, honestly, I don't think I would want to give up too much for Matthew Stafford, maybe like a third, um, maybe another player, uh, hopefully, you know, they don't get too desperate and try to, you know, give the bank up for him, you know, unlike, you know, what we're willing to give away for Deshaun Watson. But um, the one thing I see is this is going to be a insane off season, you know, as far as quarterbacks go with all the quarterbacks that are coming in through the draft. And then all the quarterbacks that, you know, might be looking for a new team, whether it be Deshaun Watson, Matthew Stafford or Aaron Rodgers. You know, I think there's really no excuse for us to start off week one with um, Teddy Bridgewater, you know, unless you talk about the contract and everything. But, um, you know, hopefully we can get something done quarterbacks-wise because uh, if we start off the season with Teddy Bridgewater, I think I might – it might really be testing me as a fan. And, you know, I'll always be a Panthers fan, but yeah. I don't know how many games I'll watch with Teddy Bridgewater. I, I hear you, man. Thanks for the call, Jedi George. Mm-hmm. All right, um, Cody, you got to run, even though we can blast you with some trivia. Yeah, y'all know I'm going to lose that shit anyway. Uh, well, I've only got three questions. We're going to do it every week, so we'll keep score. Okay. Go, Greg, go. We're doing right, you three go questions. Okay. Number one, when was Charlotte awarded an NFL team? 93. Got it. What date? Oh, Sorry, I should have said what date was they awarded. Oh, Give uh, me a moment. June. Uh, January. August. Okay, none of y'all are right. So I'll give Cody for 93. It was uh, uh, October 93. Ah, there we go. All right, uh, second one. Uh, so I'll, I'll give Cody that point. Uh, who picked? Who was the Carolina Panthers' first draft pick, and what number was he drafted? Is this that. expansion draft? This is just Dude, first- it was somebody like um, Steve Berline or Kerry Collins. It was Kerry Collins. Kerry uh, Collins is later. No, it was Kerry Collins. It was our first draft pick. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, right. Third one real quick since he's got to go. Okay. I Name this player. I stepped in front of uh, Bubby Brister's shovel pass and took it for 36 yards for my only career touchdown and sealed the Panthers' first victory. Oh. I went way back in history for the first Oh, no. I don't know. Uh, um, Tight end. No? Um, I don't know. I can't remember. Hold on. Right. Let's go to the chat. Let's see real quick. Chat. Does anybody in the chat got it? Who? Say the question one. one more time. 
I said, uh, name the players. I stepped in front of Bubby Brister's shovel pass and took it 36 yards for my only career touchdown and sealed the Panthers' first win. Mm. The their first their win? first ever win. Yep. Their so first this ever. Was at, so this was at Clemson. Ninety five. I went way way back for the first <laughs> for the first yeah, week. Yeah. Ro- so, oh, Kevin says Rocket. No, no, Robert he had a Rocket. Sam, Sam, Sam Mills. <laughs> no, no, is it? Sam Mills is the answer. Yeah. Robert Day. Robert Day is the star. All right, Cody, tell them how they can follow you if you got to ice up in this real quick. Yeah, uh, I you go. yeah um, you can find um, all my work on drafttech.com tomorrow. There's a brand new mock draft for first and second round picks. Um, your board just picked up right in the first round pick, too. So I'm going to be doing that for a while. Uh, it's easier for me to write about Trevor. So, uh, they uh they awarded me that. Um and uh yeah, follow me on Twitter at Cody Lax, C-O-D-Y-L-A-C. It's right on uh the screen right there. And my I'll leave you with my ice up pick. Uh I'm icing up an Irish midget accused of posing as a leprechaun to extort sex from twenty-six women in exchange for a pot of gold. That is a real news story. Wow. I don't blame the guy, honestly. I mean, yeah, I feel like, yeah. Who are you icing up here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm icing up, <laughs> yeah, I'm icing up all, uh, anyone who didn't uh, have sex with this guy for a pot of gold. Like, yeah. come on, what are you doing with your life? Thinking? All right. Yeah, right. So, uh, go follow him, Cody. I know you got to run. We'll see you later, brother. Peace and love, boys. All right, uh, this is the t- the time of the podcast where we get to talk about shit really quickly, which will take us an hour, uh, about things that are barely related to football. Um, he brought this up. Is the first thing? What's the first thing you think of when I say uh, Irish midget? Uh, Irish dwarf? Would that be? Conor McGregor. McGregor. You got anything? Nothing comes to mind. You're not even a Lucky Charms guy, Code Dizzle. You didn't like cereal. I, mean, I was gonna go easy answer there and say le- le- leprechauns, but I mean, other than that, my number one answer is Leprechaun the movie, bro. Oh yeah, that dude. It, is, that dude's tough. I don't care. I don't care. That Kevin Bacon is. in it. Kevin Bacon, Jennifer Aniston. I don't care that that dude was supposed to be a horror thing. That dude was funny as shit. Yes, it's like a comedy horror. It's amazing. I love uh, Leprechaun. It's one of my top. I learned you learn a lot of cinematography techniques in that, like the horror tilt. Like whenever we we want to make a hallway look scary, let's tilt the camera. All right. Um, the other thing is okay for my ice up pick. And folks who are new to the C Three Panthers podcast, uh, the ice up segment is our homage to um steve smith where we tell somebody ice up toughen up to get it together everybody is fair game last week i think i iced myself up i've iced up 12 year old kids in oklahoma that i've never met this week and you know what this week i am going to be icing up um something that is let me see if i can get the screen right let me see if i can get my new screen share good lord Sorry, I'm starting to get this new um, tech getting ready. 
is uh, I've iced this these people up before. But again, I got to ice up PETA. Oh, right now, I, I saw this story, and I don't know anything about it. You can tell me that I'm a jerk. You can tell me. That's fine. You go ahead and tell me a <laughs> jerk. People tell me. My wife tells me that all the time. But tar- this, I saw this headline today. Target joins Costco in dropping coconut milk brand over forced monkey labor allegations. And here's what it says. Um, By dropping Chaco, Target has joined thousands of stores that refuse to profit from chain monkeys misery. PETA exposés have confirmed that Thai coconut producers are exploiting monkeys and lying about it. Oh. These people are getting monkeys to pick up coconuts and are not paying them. What? They're not giving them social security. What? They're not giving these. Yes, they are actually. How are they going to feed their families? I got to say this is hmm. that if you can figure out how to get a fucking monkey to pick up a coconut and bring it to you, do it. And if you can sell that coconut, I'm still trying to get my fucking dog to go from over here to me without being a dick. Right. And he looks at me. He's like, I know you want me to come over there. I know what that means, but I ain't going to do it because I'm an asshole. So you know what? As I say this, is that's not exploitation. That's innovation. That's not exploitation. Did you get? Did you go out into the prairie lands and say, you assholes <laughs> plowing up this prairie with these ox? I drove past a place the other day, and this little kid was riding a horse. She was riding a horse, and it's called Harmony Kids Riding Lessons or some shit. It's right down the road from me. They're charging money to ride this horse. horse This labor, this slave labor. No, man. Damn. I mean, I I get you. Like, Let's take up a cause. I'm all about taking up causes. Mm -hmm. Let's take up a cause. But I am tired. I'm so tired of the world where we're like this. It's, I saw somebody, somebody told me this once. They were like, if uh, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't pull over to help a human that was like struggling. But if a dog was on the side of the road, I would qu- like, come on, man. Like there's people like, mm-hmm. let those monkeys grab those coconuts. Ooh, I don't like that sound bite. Let them Peter. You know, the other times I've iced up Peter though is this is fun. Is one time this uh assist this like head lady for PETA, she wrote into her will as a protest that she wanted to be barbecued <laughs> after she was dead as a statement. And the other thing that she wanted was that there's a big deal that could like supposedly kill elephants and they take their feet and they use the skin on the feet to make umbrellas. I heard this like 20 years ago. I've never seen an elephant foot umbrella. I've never seen one, but maybe they exist. And she wanted her feet or her body stretched into an umbrella. Hmm. And I'm like, you're the dumbass. <laughs> Wow. Let those, wow. Let those monkeys pick up those coconuts. <laughs> Anybody else got an ice up? Push? I got one. Good. Okay. You right. know, I uh you know, and this is not to talk about uh anybody 
who may be watching the stream if they're a fan and they made this comment on Cody's post. But um, so many times, especially with the Michael Jordan, LeBron argument, all that stuff, um, everybody wants to kind of make a, a note of, you know, basically I'll put it in context. Cody put out a tweet that Tom Brady was the GOAT, period. Like there is like there is no doubt he went to the worst team in the NFC South and they went to the Super Bowl this year. There were some movement. Like I said, we I know that he wasn't perfect, but like, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. Dude took the team to a the big greatest common denominator here was Tom Brady as opposed to Jameis Winston. Like that is the greatest common denominator. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, somebody wanted to make the argument. You can't call him the GOAT because if Dan Marino were in this league with as offensive friendly as it is, he would be the GOAT. That's not fair. The problem is, is that argument doesn't... I mean, yes, I think we can all agree that the offensive uh, quarterbacks are protected more than they were when Dan Marino was a uh, uh, a quarterback in the NFL. The problem is, our off, our defenses are way more athletic than they ever were when Dan Marino was a quarterback. So to say that you're basically you're saying that anybody that you think is good now, I mean, you, you got to look at it. everybody that's a quarterback in the world right now has the exact same benefit that you're saying Tom Brady has. But Tom Brady's the only one that's done what he's done. Nobody else has done it. Like, and if you're thinking that that's the reason that he's successful, that's that's just not a fair uh, equation. So anybody who tries to use the argument of you know if he if this player played today, that's then he would be absolutely the goat. Ice up. It's not a it's not a valid argument, and it's one that I I understand why you'd make it because it's biased. It's easy to try to do that because you hate Tom Brady. It was just the same way everybody wanted to use certain stats to damn Cam Newton when he was here. I mean, reality is you don't like him. You're going to make excuses as to why he's not the goat. Evidence points to it being the goat. Anybody who tries to say otherwise, I have to say it, guys. Ice up. If some butts. Yep. If my uh, aunt had nuts, she'd be my uncle. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> Andy likes to say. What's yeah. your uh, ice up for us, Greg? Mine's simple, man. Uh, somebody I've already said it before. I'm going to do ice up the NFL again. Y'all know I have an ongoing uh, theory that the you know, NFL is a TV show, so they're going to do what they want to do to get the best uh, ratings. And, uh, you know, Peyton Manning going out on the Super Bowl the way he did in Carolina. Uh, there were some st- – crazy stuff about that game last year i think i feel like they did everything they could to get green bay and uh kansas city in the super bowl they can't control everything uh this year i think it was the story was written for kansas city and new england to go to the super bowl and i think that no matter what happened in that green bay game they're gonna do everything they can to make sure it doesn't happen and i'm talking all the way down to refs not making calls ref making phantom calls even coaches making calls like lafleur did going for the field goal i think all of this is tied in i was talking with a guy today that i guarantee I, I could I could theorize that when players like Rodgers and Brady come in the league, they get called to the office and they're like, it's like uh, they're told, look, you either have the choice of making a whole bunch of money for your career and never winning championships, or you can win a bunch of championships and not make as much money, but like wrestling. But this is the part we need you to play. So go play this part and don't tell anybody just like wrestling, you know, and, and it almost feels like it could be that sometimes with the way things go with the NFL. It's so blatant, so obvious sometimes where you can see refs calling things different ways. And like I said, it looks like sometimes games are thrown by more than just refs, players, coaches, everything else. So to the NFL, if you're doing that, which I doubt you are, but it's good ice up pick, ice up. Nah, I mean, there's some questions about it. Uh, <laughs> Robert A says, bring out the Tim Four hat. Tony highlighted it. 
<laughs> That's a good comment. A good comment. Um, all right. I want to last kind of segment is what are you guys doing? What are you listening to? What are you watching? Kind of thing. Um, Cody, I know you're streaming like a mug. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Have you ever have you watched TV in the last ten years? For the last like two years now. Me just stream. Oh uh, me. Um, honestly, I haven't watched much. You, no, you, you busy gaming all the time. You're like, my family's going to bed. Game, game, game. Yeah, yeah. stream, stream, stream. Hundred percent, hundred percent, man. Uh, I mean, just catching a little traction. I'm, I'm gonna keep doing it. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, yeah. It, much into it. Um, but no, I, uh, I, I, I watched the Wandavision. I'm just, um, I, I. I hate. I have this instant gratification now because of everything streaming. You want to have the whole season. I have no idea where they're going with it, and I'm just. It's just That's how I feel. It's like I'm. I gave it a. Yeah. The other thing about the Wandavision dude is, um, because it they came out with two episodes right away. Yeah. I watched it with my kids because they were my girls. My wife, like I said, my wife was out of town this past weekend. My girls, you know, they're gonna sleep in the bed. You know, all the kids are gonna pile in that type of thing. And the girls were like, they were down with it. They were like, and I was like, I felt like I was watching an I Love Lucy episode. Yeah. And right when I felt like, I was like, I knew people were going to be like, this is slow. And I was like, and my kid, my girls were like, all right, we'll do this. They were into it. And then we had to wait. You know what I'm saying? Like, I felt like they didn't time their release right. Like, I needed a little bit more. Like, we don't barely even know they're super. I don't even know if it's there are fairies or superheroes. Who knows? Well, you got to keep going. Right. That's why they bring you I'm back. I'm ready. It's now just like seven where weeks with your episodes at. I know. Friday. All right. What are you watching or listening to then? <laughs> Uh gosh, recently everything. Me, yeah. Uh no, me and my wife started watching the 100. Never watched it before. Just a show we saw on TV. It's not bad. It's good in the beginning. The yeah, I'm about, about two and a half seasons into it. It's starting to kind of get. And, yeah, and then it's yeah. like, oh, this is the CW. Yeah, that's exactly. you go. Is that oh, it's the CW. Yeah, uh, that started watching Batwoman the other day. It's two episodes in. It's pretty good. I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. After the first couple of episodes, I was just like. It was like they're really forcing the uh, the uh, forcing this uh, you know uh, forcing this down your throat to make it like feel like it it just never it didn't feel like it was natural it felt like it was just really forced at least the first couple of episodes I still want to give it a shot but I just not quite into it you talking about Batwoman yeah you watching the first season or the second season yeah, first season okay I never ever, ever actually watched the first season so I just oh, I never watched the second it. season to cover it but I'm gonna watch sure. it yeah. <laughs> But I'm gonna watch it backwards. I'm go like, back and watch it. Yeah, but I you ever listen to Cheech and Chong tape? They were like, "I listen to Black Sabbath backwards." <laughs> Seventy-eight speed. Oh, you know, you know what I was watching is the um, it was the Night Stalker uh, docu series on Netflix. Oh, I watched that. Uh, wait, who? Which one is that? Which guy is that Night Stalker? Uh, Night Stalker. <laughs> he was in California, um, in uh, Los Angeles, and. It starts out talking about how Los Angeles was great and, you know, and now there's this mischievous under underworld there and stuff. So uh, I think I watched part of that. Um, the other thing I watched this movie that was really it was pretty good. It's called Alone and it's on Hulu. Like yeah. you can find it there. And it's about this girl that just gets kidnapped and then she's like trying to fight this dude off. To it was it was pretty good. Um, I've watched The Wildlings. 
or something like that about the girls on the island. It was all right. Um, but here is I put out a tweet yesterday just because I don't have any great podcasts that I've just been cheesing through, you know, right away. Like I like to go bend something every now and then. And then I won't, you know, you don't. So I put out a tweet and said, looking for, you know, drop podcast suggestions. Yeah, I saw the one that was. First, I got a bit, a bunch of responses and I'm really disappointed in this is that I got responses from people who make podcasts, not from people who listen to podcasts. Yeah. It's like throwing but, throwing food into a koi pond, man. <laughs> it's what yes, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that people just sit around and, and search podcasts on Twitter and then are like, oh, check out my... And look, I'm not going to shit on anybody for self-promotion because I've said like, smash, subscribe a billion times. It's a little different. Yeah, but... Um, so I got all these suggestions, and as everybody's like, look at my podcast, look at my podcast, listen to my podcast. Hey, check out this. You're interested in entrepreneurship? Check my podcast. Like, nah, don't worry. You check my podcast out. You've noticed we ain't made no fucking money. We ain't interested in no entrepreneurship. <laughs> we interested in debt. Uh, no. Um, so I would every, you know, you would just look at the tweets and they would they were like these channels would hit me up and they'd be like, here's our seven podcasts. And you guys just click on one of the names is anything. So many true crime, so much true crime, so much. So um, I listened to one. I listened to three podcasts. One was Country Carolina podcast, which I've listened to before. He called in tonight. Um, and if you're interested in Carolina Panther stuff, which I'm not, I mean, I am interested in Carolina, but I don't want to listen to a Panther podcast because that's all we do. <laughs> like, I want to listen to like something about food. I don't even like it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't even listen to my own podcast. <laughs> uh, second is, uh, I listened to this other one. It was terrible. Like it was fucking awful. And I was like, all right, moving on. And then I listened to this shit and I listened to the whole motherfucker and it was called plot. What plot podcast and uh, number one, Greg, you might be interested in this. They're into fandom stuff, whatever the fuck that is, which just means being a fan. I guess that's what we are, except for their podcast that I listened to today. They read fan fiction erotica okay about chef Boardee fucking captain america <laughs> and like they found this book on this website wow. and i gotta say this dude is number one if you have a british accent you have an advantage in the podcast world you assholes just sound entertaining by yourselves. This one girl's name is Crumpet. How your name be Crumpet? <laughs> That's a real name. Alice Crumpet is her name. But this shit was fucking hilarious, dude. Oh, my God. It was uncomfortable. I've told you guys about a podcast before. It was my dad wrote a sex novel or something like that. It's another English podcast. They love this, but it was like, and sh it was so great. And listen to this poor girl. She was in tears. She was in fucking tears reading this shit. It was so funny. So, so funny, bro. 
Oh my gosh. I am a fan. They only have five episodes. I've already started tweeting with them. They're probably like, damn, this dude listened to my podcast and all he does is tweet me. <laughs> it was fucking awful and hilarious and wonderful. Oh my gosh. So uh, that's what I'm listening to right now. Check it's it my out. New shit. Plot, yeah. what plot? Let's talk about Chef Boardie plowing Captain America. <laughs> and and it's so it's fa- so they just found this blog that like does fan fiction, you know, like or whatever. I don't know. I didn't realize there's all this shit. I was like, I don't even know what fandom is. I thought it was like fan dominatrix the way they were reading this shit. Yeah. And uh <laughs> The the thing is, is that, you know, so you're just reading somebody's blog that wrote this crap and the lines are so cheesy yeah. and wonderful. It was like this. It was like, uh, yeah, it was like, oh, my gosh, you got to listen to it. It's so wonderful. This. Uh, <laughs> yes, I mean, link me check it out she said uh what she say is the, no she did the guy that wrote it was like you know there's nothing more american than italian food <laughs> i want that italian sauce <laughs> so that's like it was just like the worst writing <laughs> and right. the best writing all at the same time oh my it's so stupid and stupid funny type deal yeah. dizzle said his computer show all right we're done anyway yeah. all right that's it greg um you going to do any podcasts this week? Oh. Yeah. Well, I did one last night, DC Alliance podcast, which I'm part of. Um, and then uh, we got uh, Superhero Discussions I record on Thursdays, and Super Civil Servants will be live Fridays. Uh, if, if anybody's interested, we're uh, come check us out live Friday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on YouTube. Uh, I do Super Civil Servants where we discuss everything that there is in film, books, and the industry. And we're going to be covering uh, the Monster series pretty soon with the uh, Godzilla versus King Kong coming out in February. We're going to cover the 2014 Godzilla movie, the um, the Kong movie, and then the uh, the, the other ne- third Godzilla movie that came out leading up to this. So if you're into those monster movies, come check it out. We'll be covering those on top of a whole bunch of other things at the Bat Daddy 52 on Twitter. And yeah, I'll be podcasting a lot. I was in. <laughs> All right, dude. The name of the podcast I was listening to is Plot. What plot? Um, plot, what plot. Hey. Plot, what plot? We're just worried about Chef Boardine plowing Captain America. It was so gross and all. <laughs> I was in tears, man. I was I go listen to that. so stupid. All right. My name's Tony Dunn. This is C3 Panthers Podcast, live Tuesday nights. Thanks to Corbin Smith tonight. You can follow me on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. The number's 252-228-5098. Codizzle is back real quick. Where are they going to find your streams? And we're out of here. Uh, you can find me on Facebook Gaming at Codizzle Allen uh, and my TikTok. Go check out my TikTok. I had a funny ass one that I just, I just put up. Uh, I'll TikTok? let you know. Everything on TikTok is true. That's what my kid thinks. All right. We'll see you guys uh, next week and uh, Keep watch going. out for Chef Boardee. That's all yeah. I got to say is I'm breathe their fingers. <laughs> all right. We'll see you, fellas. Uh, Later, man.